Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Mark. And I'm Alex. And this is The, the Shot, Shot Pod. Pod. I know I should say it. I want to say it every time, but God, I love our intro music. Good job, Mark. <laughs> Props to you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so how's it going? I don't know, man. It's crazy. So we are into the holiday season. You know, it's Christmassy out there. I went to a place. Where was I? And I heard Christmas music when I went in. Um, oh, me and uh, Eric were playing a gig. No one drowns gig. Uh, we were at the Simcoe Jazz and Blues. Yeah. And I I swear to God, they're never going to have me back. We should, I should tell you a quick story about it. They're never going to have me back, and I'll, I'll right. tell you about it. Um, I don't even care, because nobody that works there is ever going to listen to hear this. But either way, it, it would be, it's a fun story about the show. So, but we heard Christmas music, we went in, and I was like, ooh, it's like, tis the season. We got to start learning our We Three Kings, and our, um, what's that Twisted Sister one that everybody loves? The, there's a Twisted Sister Christmas song. That's always on, I think it's called No Presents for Christmas or something. Um, there's, you know, just some classic. We, we we do like a rock version of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas <laughs> is You, you know, kind of give it some heaviness to it. Um, we, we do like a heavy t uh, Rob Halford version of like uh, We Three Kings, like the version he does. Anyways, I just love Christmas. Like we do um, I Won't Be Home for Christmas by Blink-182 which is a funny Christmas song about going to jail <laughs> on Christmas Eve because you get mad and beat a bunch of carolers with a baseball bat. <laughs> so uh, Twisted Sister has an entire They have a whole album, yeah. yeah. What's the single? Christmas. What's the single? Uh, I mean, they have Heavy Metal Christmas. That's the one, I think. And then Weezer's got a whole Christmas record, too. They just do, like, regular Christmas songs, but Weezer style. That's a good record, too. It's one I like to listen to during the holidays. You know, I got a whole list of it, so I was digging it. I love I love, it. I love the basic versions of all major carols. So uh, one of my favorite Christmas carols is Baby, It's Cold Outside. Not for not for the the uh, Somebody <laughs> likes to get a little bit rapey, do they? Oh. No, no, no. no. Oh. I'm not... <laughs> I don't approve of that SJW shit. Uh, <laughs> Baby, it's cold inside. Honestly, but, every time I hear it now, I don't think it's as bad. Like it's it's funny to hear to think of that context. But, but you need you need like song, guys. you need a decent uh, you need a decent duet couple. Like it can't just it can't just be um, somebody who's got who sounds like they're they've swallowed a bubble recently yeah. and, and their voice well, I, I do a lot of karaoke and i'm out at bars when i'm playing and stuff and i've seen some fucking slaughter fests of that song that in picture by cheryl crow and kid <laughs> rock and people go they're just freaking oh, hammered yeah. and up from here to texas <laughs> you know it's like oh god it's so funny <laughs> the, I, I find myself drawn to the actual carol from Glee, but even that throws me off because the male part ends in a falsetto. And the role of the female that I thought was actually, like it sounds like a woman singing, it's it's not. It's actually... Nope, it's just a dude no. with falsetto. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's actually I think a decent that would, version. You know it's another band that does that with me? Uh, so don't feel guilty. Mother, Mother. The band, the Canadian band from Vancouver. Yeah. So they got the two girls in the band. One of them's his sister, and he's got a good falsetto. Sometimes I'll hear him go like, "There's a there's a song called Get Out the Way yeah. that people all know." Yeah, yeah. And there's one little known fact is that for the first two choruses, the girls are doing the ah 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 ah, 
And then boom, the band comes in, right? At the end of the song, the girls do the get out the way, get out. And then he <laughs> does the the high part. And you don't notice it. It's yeah. fucking beautiful. I love that shit. That's crazy. Yo, check out Mother Mother if you don't know who they are, by the way. I don't know. Uh, Eureka, <laughs> uh, Dance and Cry, any of those records. So in I, I don't know if you recall this, uh, but in regards the to... Sticks. In regards to the controversy behind uh, Baby It's Cold Outside, Joseph Gordon-Levitt actually performed the song with Lady Gaga, but they did yep. the roles reversed. Yep, yep, I remember this. And it was still a, like a, a great song. It was still It's it was a amazing. good, dude, everything's offensive. I'm offended that you're offended by me taking offense. <laughs> you know, it's just the way it is. I don't, I... I I love talking about this stuff, but my, my, my bottom line opinion is I have no patience for it because jokes are jokes and things yeah. are funny. Even if the song, I'm, I'm not kidding, and, and you can shit, shit on me if you want. Even if the song was, was a little rapey, it's just a song. It's just a guy singing. Then well, don't then don't listen to it or or something like I don't know. Like I just every, if you don't everything like it, everything was totally different back then. You know so how like many ra- times I've gotten in one of my buddies' cars and they're like, "Yo, check this out." It's like this retarded heavy metal punk rock, racist, crazy, like anti-Semitic stuff or something. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know how many times you know I'm getting a ride home from a dude from work and he's like, "Hey, check this out," and you're like, "What the fuck?" Like I'm not gonna go <laughs> protest at that band show. I'm yeah. just never gonna listen to it or talk about it or acknowledge this existence because it's disgusting you know what i mean if the song bugs you just let it go it's a good tune the thing that pisses me off is that that song musically if you're a drummer you got to have a nice jazz right hand you got to have a nice ones and threes and you got to know how to be on your downbeat twos and fours for that song if you're a bass player you got to fit in the in the groove real well you know if you're a piano player you got to have a nice left hand you got to be able to hold the left hand in in, in the pocket like it's actually a, a, a hard song to play you got to know your shit to get through that and pull it off so people are like that's not bad yeah. so that's what kills me if it was a crappy like four chord wonder in 4 4 time i'd be like i don't give a fuck <laughs> what do you think about it <laughs> what the controversy around it though what like the what did you well, think well like something when it comes down to like older times the much different uh much different times. So you ever watch shows from a different time and, and you're oh like, yeah. wow. Well, no, like you look at all the uh, board game covers from back then too. And it's like, oh my God, yeah. why is the woman always cleaning a dish while oh, yeah. father and son are, are sitting down are playing, playing at the table, playing the game. She's over there doing dishes. Like have fun boys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so true. What the things fuck? change. And it's because honestly, like as offensive as that might seem these days, that's just the way things were. Then it was, um, and we were still evolving to where we are now. We're still getting yeah. to the point where everybody can do everything. Yeah, and, and but before everyone could do everything, people had to do one or two things or three. And things. we've just grown exactly like, as a I society. Mean, why do you have to look back and like, oh shit, this is the the worst shit? As opposed to just thinking, look at how far we've come. I kind of look at it in a shameful way. Like, look what happens when the government squeezes the middle class to fucking death financially. They make all the girls <laughs> that used to do the dishes and cook go to work and slave themselves. And not only do they raise kids, do laundry, and still cook and clean, they're usually working too. So that's why they're not in the Milton Bradley games at the at the. Di- at the sink probably because she's she's on a, a fucking land call and she's got you know she's sending an email and also helping her four-year-old with their homework at the same time you know what i mean so it's like the world has just squeezed everybody they have to multitask otherwise you'll just die well like even uh the vocabulary the the vernacular everything back then was different like if you look up uh like bloopers and stuff it's like it's like boners and gaffs but yeah, like nowadays like <laughs> he said boners yeah 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 stuff that today we're just like really, really? yeah really? like Goofs and gaffs. It's like, oh, modern day goofs. 
Who's on first? Yeah. Oh, well, what do you mean? I mean oh, what's you, on you second? You can't just go around calling people goofs because you'll true. get fucking shanked. That's <laughs> true. That's a good point. What else? Can, well, there's a few things you get. You can't call. Are we doing this right now? Are we listing the things that we used to call each other when we were younger that now is no longer cool? Because <laughs> all right, here we go. Here we go. You're a fag. <laughs> that was like when we. I don't know when we were kids. I'm 34. When we were kids. That was the ultimate thing. Shut up, you fag. You're a fag. Yo, you listening to Good Charlotte? You're a fag. <laughs> did you buy a Honda Civic? You're a fag. Like and It then, didn't matter what you did, you're a fag. And now, like, people will fucking beat you with a bottle in the street if you call somebody that. Yeah. It was like, but that was like up into grade six, that was my name. <laughs> you know, like anyway. So that's one. Yeah. I guess retard is retard, another one. Yep. Let's go with retard now. I am. But but I'm okay. Die so on this when, when it comes to uh, like the word the word retard and everybody like digging into oh this person said that and he's bad for saying this and all that, I laugh every time I hear it. But salt and pepper, uh, yes, <laughs> like so I'll have, uh, uh, what was it? I'll have you smiling like a retard, and then in the background you're oh, it's like what the fuck? <laughs> I love the nineties. Oh god, it's like holy shit. I didn't, I didn't even, re- like, when I was a kid and listened to that, I didn't even realize, like, because it, it ain't no thing back then. And now, no and now when you hear it, you're like, oh, 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 the crowd goes silent. See, and the retard one for me was really, really tough one to swallow, and I'll tell you why, because it's all about context. Um, okay, so I'm a mechanic. I know I say this all the time. But so there's this really cool thing that camshafts can do. If you know how a motor works, you've got a crankshaft, which is at the bottom, and you have a camshaft, which is at the top if you have an overhead cam motor. And there's a chain that connects them, and obviously the way all the gears are timed is very important. These new cars have variable valve timing, or VVT. So if you have one of these cars where you pop the hood and it says VVT or VVTI on your car, you have variable valve timing, which means when you ask for more power, it will use an an oil pressure actuator, and it will advance the timing on your engine so that the valves open early. This is the simplest way to put it. So things just happen a bit earlier. You get more air, more power. When you're kind of grandpa driving, just puttering through town, it takes that six s- kilometers going same to camshaft. <laughs> at and six it, o'clock going to the Circle K, right? Exactly. That's, yeah. <laughs> and it retards the timing. That's the official term for it. Yeah. When we go to auto school, we call, we, we call transmissions trannies, and we get tranny fluid in our mouths all the time, and we don't laugh about it. You guys laugh about it, but we don't laugh about it's it. It's one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tranny fluid in the mouth. And, and so anyways, so I've retarded timing has always been a thing in my vocabulary. So when someone calls someone retarded, I literally picture a camshaft taking three teeth and just going back, going to the right, so that you can get a little bit extra exhaust open in the valve. It means it, it just means that you're a bit slower than everybody else, like maybe one or two teeth. That I don't know. And it that's it like, has nothing to do with a handicap. It really doesn't. It just means it took you an extra second to figure out what the fuck was going on. And that's been me my whole life. I'm okay with it. I can take my tardedness and I can live with it, you know? I'm about two teeth on the camshaft, tarded. Okay. I've met some people that are advanced on that camshaft. They're about three teeth ahead. Good for you. Kids with like you know, people with like kids and wives and like mortgages and like financial stability and careers that they haven't had to build from scratch. You know, those people. But the rest of us are just a little tarted and we're about three teeth behind, but we're going to catch up one day. All right. So I didn't think it was that offensive because like I say, it's something we use in auto. So it's, it came up a lot. Um, kind of like how if you go to England, a fag is a cigarette. So they might not be so offended if you call them a fag over there the way we would be over here. You know what I mean? Like you, it, that's why it's hard to get offended by things because if you took that exact saying, lifted it and put it in another country or context oh, yeah. it wouldn't be offensive the bottom line is 
malicious intent. If the if if the what you're saying, if you say <laughs> fag with malicious intent, you're a piece of shit. If you say any, you're a retard with malicious intent, you're a piece of shit. You should street crawl, talk. Yeah, street talk in uh, the UK. Someone's when you call gonna, somebody, you're like, oi, cunt. Yeah, and it's like what here? Like, that is massively oh my offensive. God, the c word. He what? Girls get turned on by that. They're like, hey, did he call him a cut? Oh, what, 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 the balls on him. You know, like it's not. Whereas here, they just be like, wow, that guy hates women. You know what I mean? Like, there's it's it's all con- like I said, malicious intent. If the person doesn't have malicious intent, shut the fuck up, calm down. If they, it's obvious that they have it, then you have a right to be offended. Otherwise, but how often is that? It's so little of the time. Yeah, so little of the time, guys. So, yeah, so anyways, that, that was, I mean, that's my thoughts. I on mean, that. we we kind of uh, dabbled in uh, triggers in uh, another episode. <laughs> triggers. Oh man, <laughs> too much Tom McDonald going through my head. I'm sorry, I've had a Tom McDonald week. I've been listening to a bunch of it, but he's got that. Did you check out that Webby that I was telling you? I haven't listened to this yet. Maybe we. Should, oh, I should do it. I'll do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Um, within the next 45 minutes, <laughs> okay. And then I will yeah. give you my opinion on yeah. it. It's going to happen. Oh. Um. Yeah. The Tom McDonald one that I'm talking about, I, the new song he did, Balloons, is a little personal. Do I talk a little bit about that? I do. I I've do, never actually. Heard, I wow. Do. I was not what I expected. Like, I usually, I expected, I was like, what's he talking about? Like, what, what's he going to do with that politically? So forever. It was so personal. So forever, people have been saying that Tom McDonald's just clickbait because he'll just say all this politically controversial shit. And, and it, whether he means it or not, it's just for clicks. So then he releases this song that's very personal to him, talks about his struggle with depression, and now those people who were saying, oh, it was just clickbait, are saying, oh, this is just clickbait for depression and, and all that. It's like, oh, my God, you, you can't please them. Exactly. There's no pleasing some of these people. And the funny thing, uh, growing up, you hear that, that phrase, everyone's a critic. Well, I mean, I had no idea how magnified that would become as I just kept growing. I was like, wow, literally everybody, it's not just everybody's a critic now, everybody's a troll. It's true. Troll, <laughs> trolling's taken over the internet and not in a good way. I don't know, I feel like back in our day, like on, on MSN, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and, and things like, and, and MySpace, like if somebody said some mean shit on your MySpace page, like, it was like, Hey, fag. <laughs> Which I think we mentioned earlier, you know what I mean? And you were just like, hey. But now it's, it's I don't know, man. The people who just live to go on the internet and make other people miserable or take somebody's, I don't know, hopes or dreams or something they really find funny. Like, I'm a Star Wars fan, so you know how many people are in there just like, somebody posts that, that famous meme where it's like, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I'm strong enough to do it. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I don't like the sequels, but that's a good scene. And, um... Oh, uh, Adam Driver did a really good job in his delivery. It's probably one of the best scenes he did as an actor in that in that trilogy. And people are like, as soon as you post that, and it's it's funny. Like the I like the one with Mario where he has to sacrifice Yoshi in Mario World to get across <laughs> yeah. the gorge. That's my favorite version of that yeah. meme. But I hate when people take that and then they're like, they 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 they, they try and re- there's like fuck the sequels. You're a sequel lover, you piece of shit millennial. And you're like, bro, settle down. It's just a meme. We all love Star Wars. Calm down here. Even something that small. And then all of a sudden, the administrators are just banning people. It's like the, the internet's just become, I don't know, it's just become a playground for horrible people. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, um, Dave Chappelle saying that uh, Twitter is is a place that, it's it's just not a nice place to be, like, ever. And that's true. Like, that is one of the most negative, negative environments on the internet anywhere. Like, I've been divorced, and let me tell you, my home life right at the time of the divorce was still more positive than that. <laughs> 
So like Tom McDonald can sing about how he uh, how he was depressed and and he's going through the struggle and he posted something to Twitter struggle. and he, and <laughs> the struggle the struggle and he just straight up got like annihilated by all these trolls yes. on the internet. It's like what the f- you would think people would find something better to do with their time at this point. Oh, for sure. But one thing I got to say about Tom is that he continues to surprise me. So as soon as I get a little bit bored and I'm like, okay, you know what I mean? And I, maybe I start listening to another artist or his newest singles, not in my playlist. He'll put, he'll do something that makes me go, Oh fuck. You know, clown world was probably my favorite thing that he did for a while. And then he had a, a decent amount of good stuff in the middle of that. But this is, this just kind of grabbed me and I, I I've listened to it four or five times. Oh, uh, it's that, one that, of his that don't, hooks. that don't look down one. Yeah. I feel like that was the beginning of this. Like the don't look down one was like, it was a little cocky and it was like, calm down, buddy. But I, I did really enjoy his whole, like I got a lot going for me and I'm not afraid to admit it. But then to hear the other end of it, even though he's got all that cockiness, it's still, you know, like he said, I can't drink. I don't smoke. Like I, I've got so many things that I used to do for vices. I can't do anymore. I don't know. I'm fucking going nuts. That That's one of the things. Which is why I won't stop smoking weed. I won't stop <laughs> drinking. And I won't stop any of my vices. That's, like uh, it keeps me sane. That's one of the things that Tom McDonald is known for is attacking both sides of the spectrum. So like, he, yeah, on the don't look down, he's, it's the positive side. It's like, hey, I'm up here. You all are down there. And then and there's the other I one. because I clean my shit up. And because then, I clean my shit and up. And then there's focused. the other one where he's standing at the top of a cliff saying like i don't like the fame i'm just tom yeah no he's like i think i'm gonna go online and buy um some merch so i have a little piece of me just like the rest oh that was uh that was a magazine the magazine yeah Yeah, that was a great line i was like ooh, like i've and i know i know this is a cocky egotistical thing to say but like you know i play locally people know me i go into an open mic and people are like alex is here get him on stage let's do fucking some eminem it's just 21 pilots let's fucking go <laughs> like you know and i love that i've got that rap and people know that i'm, I'm okay at it like i'm one of the rep musicians in town that can get on stage and fucking hold my own on bass or drums or guitar or anything so i kind of get that like i've been in that he's got another song but called what, famous but still one of your most popular things when you get up on stage and you start doing the the real slim shady that's still the one that like everybody's like wait what? What? Who? Who's this guy? Who's, who's this guy? Who's oh my this god! Skinny little white boy out there <laughs> rapping. I do Gangsters Paradise too, and, and and if there's anybody in the bar that's like uh, any black guys in the bar that are like, oh, what the fuck? You know, they're just there to drink and listen to these idiots. I go up and start doing Gangsters Paradise, or I'll start doing. Um, uh, Post Malone, and the, everybody stops. Are they all like, "Oh shit"? You know what I mean? Or I'll do MIA's Paper Planes. That's an easy one to program into the pedal, and people that the immediate respect because they're like, "Oh, so you don't just bang out the same generic rock shit everybody else does." And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. There's nothing. I'm not. I'm trying not to shit on people that can go up and do Zeppelin and Brian Adams and Bon Jovi and the same you know generic bar shit that everybody wants to hear. But it's something to be able to go up and play. Something that, you know, people are like, I've never, we play Billy Talent. We play River Below all the time. We'll, we'll be like, we'll just ask someone, hey, you guys like Billy Talent? Someone will yell it out and we'll rip through that. Nobody plays Billy Talent at bar. <laughs> and, we, and then you do it and everybody just stops. Everybody's like, oh, fuck, I've heard this on the radio and they're killing it. You know what <laughs> and I mean? All, <laughs> and actually, you, you, that's the bridge. Yeah, can be, there's a bit of a ball squeeze there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a tough one. Um, that and Devil in a Midnight Mask is really fun on because yeah. there's a lot of backup vocals and we're a two piece, right? So uh, we got to make uh, I mean, I'm not 
the biggest Billy Talent fan. Me neither. I'm not going to say they're thing, amazing, but they're the fun to play. The one thing I loved about Billy Talent, though, was their guitars. Like, he, he came out I'll with tell a, you, yeah, I'm the with most you. original I'm, sound. I don't even... I, I'll, I, hate, I used to feel that way, too, that the guitar was the most unique sound. Great tone, unique riffs, chords, all that shit. But when you really focus on the... Especially some of the newer stuff, the, like maybe anything after Billy Talent 3, the bass and the drums really step up and it be and you start to realize that the weakest part of the band is that fucking singer and I'm sorry I, I the lyrics are good I even like the vocal lines yeah. if they had anybody else singing it maybe they wouldn't have made it but either way I just his voice especially when he does ballads like that need my friends with wings <laughs> I can't fucking I'm, I just can't uh, that one's a bit much for me I'm like bro auto-tune this guy please <laughs> like i usually don't ask for it but in that case i do like i'm not I'm trying not to shit on billy talent because the, the song is a huge single and they sell way more records than i yeah. ever fucking have but like personally i find that that part those parts kind of get to me and i guess you could say something about follow boy and maybe mcr it maybe i would almost argue that billy talent helped bring that type of singing into being cool because they were doing it in 02 and 03 and i think 01 and mcr and those guys were just like in, in uh, they were pretty they were a lot smaller i yeah. think billy talent was doing stadiums and shit like they were touring big i think they were playing with fucking uh slayer on the M heavy mto back in the day and you know those other bands were quite on that level so i'm just saying um i love that they uh, it's, it's kind of like reminds me because my favorite band is dream theater and yeah. i will uh, i will say this I, I everybody who shits on dream theater you win the band is 100% solid if you just got rid of the singer. James is a great <laughs> singer, and I love James, but he is, like, the weakest link. Like, Russell Allen from Symphony X would be better. Uh, oh, Michael Ackerfeld from Opeth could probably pull off Did you off ever more. hear Avril Lavigne sing Fuel by Metallica? I'm going to be honest. I didn't think it was that bad. Oh, she my did God. it with The Matrix. She did it with the band The Matrix, who were friends of Trouble Charger. Yeah. So it was before she broke off from The them. music was great. But, but you, she's but not... Yeah. She's not the voice for Fuel. No, she's not. But uh, she's... Uh, in, she was only like 19 in that point. She was, that was in 2000 or 2001. She was like 19 or 20. And she's so fucking hot up there dancing <laughs> around doing it. I don't even give a shit how bad she is to sing Because you're not paying attention to that. She looked way too good. And the band was tight. And there was fire shooting up from behind yeah. them. I was kind of like, all right. You it was, I will admit, it was the weakest performance of that MTV icon. The, uh, would you want to talk? What was the best one? Oh, I, I love Sanitarium. I was going to say, I'm, a, the, I'm the biggest Limp Bizkit fan there is, but even I know that's not the best performance that night. Really? Corn. One. Uh, Hun really? Yeah. You don't agree? No. Oh, I'm so... Dude, I love I just, the biscuit. And I love that they brought it up. Leave me alone. Dugga, 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 yeah. dugga. Leave me alone. Dugga, dugga, dugga. <laughs> like, that was a great little bit that they did. Yeah. But I just fucking corn playing that song in B, in A. Yeah. And just that... I just, I just never forget the first time I heard it. I'll never forget. And when he comes with a, I can't remember any... I and it's all weird and it's just, dark ugh. sounding. I was like, this His is, voice. this is, I can't, I loved it. I'm sorry. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. And then they cut the bridge, the long, boring bridge. part. now I love the, the shredding His, and stuff. His voice for his stuff. Great. Because that's how it's intended. To oh, sound. Okay. But okay. Another quick. No, okay, ooh, I know we're going off on tangent here, but then he did. Okay. Evanescence did, or sorry. No, it wasn't Evanescence. It was Korn did a acoustic record, an MTV. Um, what are they used to call those? Uh, unplugged record. And, Amy Lee from Evanescence came and sang Freak on a Leash with him. He did the, she did the, you want to see the light, so do I. She did the soft backup <laughs> vocal parts. Yeah. Okay. And I think that was perfect. 
uh, and then um, she also covers Thoughtless. So oh, I think I when people take corn and do it, I think it's good. But when corn does stuff, I didn't even. I, I kind of feel what you're saying about how it was a different vibe. I enjoyed the vibe. I could see how it's an acquired taste. They did the same thing with another brick in the wall. It was a different vibe, and a lot of people didn't like it. They did that greatest hits record, and they did another brick, and people shat on it hard. Did you, did I you, loved it. Did you hear Jonathan Davis uh, sing uh, "One Step Closer"? Yes. Yeah. See, same thing. He was. Yeah. He was. He was out of it. It was better than fucking MGK coming out too, and goddamn paper cut. I'm sorry. I, I literally <laughs> wanted. Uh, Thank you, oh, Eminem, for man. wrecking him. And fuck you, Travis, for saving him. For God's sakes, he's such a piece of crap. I hate you, Colson. I hate <laughs> you. You're so bad at everything you do. Ugh. Oh, but sadly, on that uh, Lincoln Park tribute. What a great show that was. It, Blink, it was, it was Blink did a great job. I was job. just going to put them down as the worst performance. Blink? Yep. I thought Mark they were Hoppus great. Mark Hoppus was like flat and sharp trying to reach those notes. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah. not, no, he's I'm not going to lie. Missing it. You could tell they were struggling, but I'm, I'm going to be honest. Nobody didn't. I can't think of, oh, I'm trying to think of anybody who I was like on par. And I've seen Lincoln Park three times myself, and I have every DVD. I fucking know <laughs> that guy could do two hours of that. Oh yeah, ah, that's a break. <laughs> like, and then when he was when his voice was ready to just die, then he would let it. He would go softer. He go. He would do the um, you know. As a vocal singer, I could kind of do it with this mic. You can yell and project, you know, everything you say to me, which is like a projection. But then when he was dead, he could put the the mic super close and do that. Everything you say to me. Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of keep it in the quiet, but it still sounded that. Eh, like he could still make it sound like him. <laughs> it's still, uh, it still sounds like you're trying to take a shit like that. Right. Yeah. And he could do that. And, and oh, I remember seeing him do crawling. And just the how long the crawling, yeah, like the whole notes. Oh, yeah. the, look at that. Look at the vocal line on paper. Like fuck with that. Fuck with that. Good singers can't fuck with that. So I, I honestly don't think anybody did a good job. Not a single artist touched yeah. what he did. We can disagree to agree to disagree on the blank thing. <laughs> MGK was fucking horrible. But um, one of the ones that was um, uh, more set did a good job. I kind of liked the that was the one that I, I was like yeah, it was all right it was all right it was all right what else was on there I'm mind farting on what the other performances were but that was a lot of fun to watch oh yeah uh, I can't I, uh, well one thing that I loved was the uh, in the end with the crowd yeah uh, it I was mean, depressing it felt so it, empty it was, without him oh yeah it was definitely depressing but like the crowd nailed yeah. it and the emotion like you have yeah. the camera going over Panning. the crowd and yeah. you see people in the crowd crying and stuff that's fucked up and that's why I was like man somebody killed this guy like he definitely didn't kill himself because it just there was such a spectacle afterwards the way they made it I was like this was, this was, seems too well planned I don't know I just that was a that was a hard one to deal with when he yeah. was gone and then everybody up there Painted, um, I don't know how Mike did it. Like I remember seeing the tragically hit play when they knew Gord was going to die, and and, oh, and man. that last performance. And I remember thinking that last given, performance is like, wow, Gord can scream, dude. That was insane. All, I don't even. I'll say it. I'll say it. I don't even like the tragically hit. I've never gone to see them live, and I don't care for the band. I cover them because everyone in Canada loves them, but that 
I was at the bar with my girlfriend at the time having a steak and we planned on being there to watch it and it was at nice big speakers in the bar and we watched the whole thing and I, it was fucking amazing. I didn't, it doesn't matter that I didn't like half the songs. They were, that was an amazing performance and the fact that he could do it knowing full well he won't be here this time next year. Yeah. That is balls. Like, I don't know, man. Death is scary. Death is a, uh, that's why I watch Breaking Bad all over so many times because that's the kind of shit that death will drive you to. When someone says, yo, you got cancer or yo, you got uh, a due date, you'll do fucking crazy shit to make sure that things are going to be okay when you're gone because the concept of time is all convoluted. You just don't, like, what does it all mean? What's, I'm not going to be here, but things are still going to happen? What? Like, it's just a crazy way to think. You know, yeah. we're here and the things are happening. Even to think about the past when we weren't here and things were happening is weird. Ooh, there was a war before I existed. Like that whole idea of just being outside of yourself. So it's, I think it does really crazy things to you. Oh yeah. 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 Think it, with, so like even, and the fact that you could go up there and perform yeah, with that, all that stress and the emotion, like, like most people just, you know, cook meth. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy, he went up and he's like, I'm gonna play a couple more gigs. Nah, I just, I just, um, I, I, that was a great performance, even though I don't take that band. I love, I love when you can see, I've had this happen a few times. Somebody will take me and they'll be like, I'm going to bring you to a gig for someone you don't know or you don't like, and they're going to win. And it's going to win you over. And it does. Oh, it's happened. My buddy with dream theater. He's like, you like uh, injustice for all. I was like, yeah, that's my favorite Metallica record. So you're going to love dream theater. I was like, no, nah, I don't think so. Uh, that sounds like it's a gay ass <laughs> name for a band right off the bat. What the fuck is a dream theater? And he's like, and he's like, he played me like a piece of a song and I heard James going, ah, and I was like, nope, I'm good. And then he took me to the show and they played Train of Thought like front to back. Yeah. Which is their best record, their heaviest record. And I was like, <laughs> I, I'm pretty, yeah, I was pretty, yeah. I'm, uh, Jeremy Pearson, if you're out there, I love you. Thanks for introducing me to Dream Theater. So when you were, uh, when you were little, what did, what did you want to be when you grew up? Here we go. Hmm. Hmm. I guess, I don't know. What age? Because, like, when I was really dumbass little. I'd say, like, seven to ten. Okay, I'm actually a pretty big loser. I've only got, like, two. I've pretty much got this figured out now that I think about it. <laughs> I re- like, I really did. Um, an, a cartoon animator. Like, I was never like, I want to be an astronaut or anything. I knew I was a peasant from the very beginning. And then I, <laughs> <laughs> but I even set the bar too high with that because like, you need a good university degree to go to be an animator. And I draw. I can't. I knew we wouldn't uh, go. Not necessarily. Not like Seth, Seth MacFarlane just kind of started drawing. And, hey, he You're right. I, but I hit a peak where I knew I wasn't good enough to do that. When I was, You have to know your limits. I, I drew like a motherfucker until I was about 13. When I was 13, I went... You don't have what it takes. I knew at 13, I'm a very, I, my parents were really hard on me and so I'm very hard on myself. And I knew then that like I was very good at art and drawing, but I wasn't good enough to be Seth See, or one of those guys. It's not about knowing your limits. It's about pushing past those. You're limits. right. I, so I chose to push my talent another way. I was like, I've okay. got something else I think I could, that I could get better at if I try less. All right. So I'll probably do that, which ended up being music. All right. um, but so animation was it. When I was, uh, I remember being, eight when Pokemon came out I guess eight or nine 1996 so nine and I remember drawing Ash throwing the ball and I did it at 25 frames a second and I did a full three minute segment and you flip through and I got my friend to scan it and upload it onto Windows 95 and we put it and I made, I made a fucking like a minute long thing of Ash throwing a Pokeball it was like and I, it was amazing like I was, <laughs> I was I was like getting into that I was doing claymation yeah. and doing stop motion with it and taking pictures and making videos and doing going to my friend's house with silly little studio setup like we've got here yeah. and like you know recording our, our, our parts and then dubbing it onto the tape like VHS, like four track VHS where it's two tracks of um, video and one track left audio, one track right on 
right audio, like just old school fucking shit like that. Yeah. I was obsessed with that even in, before I was 10. But as soon as I found music, I was like, I just want to do this. Oh yeah. I wanted to be Kid Rock or Fred Durst. <laughs> that was like, <laughs> those are my first, like, I need to do that. Well, I guess technically everybody, we have Kid Durst or, or the Aerosmith guy, uh, Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler yeah. was when I, it was my first one that I was like, as a, as like in the early nineties when they did pump and dude looks like a lady and all that. Yeah. I was like, I want to be the singer of Aerosmith. But then as soon as new metal came out, I was like, so I want to yell about my dad. You'll notice a couple days ago, I, I sent you a, a message. that was just random song lyrics. So a uh, former buddy of mine, we used to do this thing where it's like, you just get a song stuck in somebody's head, but you didn't have to complete it. Like he used to come up to me and he'd be like, now, nah, you know, we all be just loving this shit right here. And like, and then, and then he would away? stop and walk away. No! And then it'd be like, L I M P biscuit right here. No. And you continue on. So that's why I messaged you. But it's what if like, it was a song? Oh, yeah. just peaches or plums. Yeah. yeah. I always <laughs> send you the other half of it. Or at least I try to. Or if, if I don't send it, I definitely say it out loud in the room. <laughs> Whoever's in the room with me at that moment is definitely like, what? You just quoting Eminem? Yeah, my buddy Mark sent me like the first two lines of an Eminem song and I just had to peaches to plums. Yeah, I'm a nanny pussy put up the grapes and grow a pear. You try to diss me, I'll slaughter you. I put that on everything like everybody does with auto-tune. I just had to do that. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? And they're usually pretty good with it. So, so when I was little, I had this weird uh, little... So my mom was actually working at McDonald's uh, for a time. So this was obviously... I, she hooked you up with the dope-ass toys? Sometimes. Did you get hooked up with the dope-ass Sonic 3 toys? No. For, <laughs> like, back in the day, the, the bigger toys for me were, like, the Fraggle Rock go-kart. <gasps> Those were! Oh, no, you win. You win. They were almost <laughs> as cool as the Sonic toys. They were. They were very cool. So uh, so with my mom having worked at uh, McDonald's, Fraggle I was Rock. like, I was like, I want to I wanna work at McDonald's. So I'm like, I'm like this little kid saying, like, I want to work at McDonald's. And then, uh, but I had this. I remember doing a birthday party. You remember how they op- they would take you in the yeah. kitchen and show you? And I remember being like five or six and going, fuck animating. I'm going to work at McDonald's too <laughs> for like a month or so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, sure. uh, but I had this weird other thing. So like if my mom ever heard this, she'd be like, she would laugh her ass off. She's like, yeah, this is what Mark was saying. Because I, I used to say that I wanted to work at McDonald's part time and be a male stripper at the other the other half of the time a male stripper <laughs> yeah i was saying this as a kid i don't know why i think it was just because of the attention that male strippers got from women that uh as a kid i was like yeah i just kind of want that attention <laughs> i guess i that's a pretty funny thing to want to <laughs> as a child like i want to be a male strip i want to strip <laughs> I want to make money for being naked. <laughs> I, you know, I did run around the house naked quite a bit as a kid, so I can see how that might have. Uh, oh yeah, I, I used to get dressed and changed in front of like the open living room windows, or even the front door would be wide open, and I'd be in my tidy whiteies, like, all right, hang on, I'm getting ready. Yeah, this has actually been an eye opener for me because I'm realizing just how realistic my aspirate like i've never been like i'm gonna be an astronaut like i, I remember being a like in kindergarten like legitimately yeah. five years old in the south end and hearing kids say i want to be like a fireman and being and another kid saying i want to be an astronaut and i remember like this i got i got in so much trouble because my mom was very real with me and i was a pretty observant kid i go up to the fireman kid and be like you're on the right track this guy over here needs to realize that we live in South Oshawa and university is not in the cards for him. And then if he wants to be an astronaut, he needs at least some fucking some engineering or some shit at the very, I don't know, some stuff that I'm too young to understand, but he's going to need more than we can afford. So yeah. he needs to get on the Dickie D side of this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is an ice cream truck that we used to work at when I was a kid. So we could make enough money to buy ice cream and usually marijuana. Anyway, so it's just, it's just a funny thing, you know, 
So, yeah, the animator thing was always... You know what a big one was, too? Ooh, I'm going to admit some shit right now. I was a massive Sailor Moon fan. Massive Sailor Moon. Oh, yeah, And I had, a, I had actually... Oh, now that I think about it, the Pokemon short that I did with Ash <laughs> was not the first one I'd done. That was in my third or fourth one. I had done other ones, and it was always Sailor Moon. It was always a fight scene or a, or, or a transformation scene, we'll call them. <laughs> Whoa. I remember my, you know, when, they, when they're like, we're not in school anymore. We're in our fighting uniforms. This And wait, wait, wait. Was this, the, like, was this like using the wand or the scepter and having yes. the stuff come around? Okay. Yes. But in the, in the Japanese, see, and uh, I was a smart kid. So I'd a, I, I managed to get a hold of the Japanese versions of the shows where they're not just stars and rainbows oh, filling yeah. the silhouette. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, the show was legit good, but the nudity didn't hurt either. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Hey-o. That's all I'm saying. And it was, I used to draw, it was because, it was I don't know, um, you know, I, I'm still pretty good at that stuff. The big eyes, you yeah. know, the over-accentuated waists, the the way they cry, where the tears just end at the lines in their face. Like, I've always been really good at that style of stuff, so I kind of, I loved, yeah, animating was my big thing. And then, I guess, just wanting to be a rock star, which is, I knew, I knew when I wanted to do it, that I was good enough to do it, but it was in a country that would never allow it to happen because... Like the, the the bands and the types of things that Canada pushes out that become famous that we're known yeah. for, you know, back in the day it was Rush, Brian Adams, he, uh, Helix, right? Is that right with that? No, um, fuck. <laughs> Sebastian Bach's Canadian, right? His whole yeah, thing, yeah. yeah. Um, you know that, that that kind of stuff. My um, what else? What else? Atlantis Morissette, big one in the nineties, very good, awesome pop artist. You know, and then things just kind of fell off and now we're known for drake and justin bieber and the weekend and the weekend's not that bad well like but it's not Nickel, that good nickelback quickly became like one of the bigger hated bands from and i don't know why because they're not like oh i just wish people could ex- like it's the best we got guys i know th- it's it's chad chad it's did chad. the band it's in. true like it's he's like he's the fred off. durst of that band when people are like fuck lip biscuit i'm like i know fred is a bit much guys but just listen to the music <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Nickelback's like, I know Chad's a bit much, guys, but listen to that <laughs> fucking bass line and never again. <laughs> so good. Like, Chad tried to start up beef with Corey Taylor, and Corey Taylor's like, he's like, I'm friends with his brother. Like, I don't mind the band. Corey I just- made a whole tour called the Fuck Fred Tour because he doesn't like Fred Durst. <laughs> that you do not want to fuck with. That is not a guy you want to be like, yo, you want to go head to head? Like, nah. He'll, write, he'll, he'll name his band after how much he hates you. He'll start a side project called Chad Kruger's Gay. Like, he's, he doesn't care. <laughs> he's savage. <laughs> so, how old were you uh, when you were doing this animating thing? From the time I was probably four or five. And okay. I was like realizing that like, I remember I just asked my mom like, what's a cartoon? And she's like, well, people, and then she showed me this, like, I don't know, we were watching CBC or some shit yeah. and there was like a, how they make Disney but, like, cartoons. When you, when you were animating though, like when you were, when I you w- started around doing- five or six. Yeah, oh, yeah, I definitely, I was in kindergarten and I was in trouble because I was off in the corner drawing cartoons. They're like, you're supposed to be over here doing this thing. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to do that thing. I want to draw cartoons over yeah. here because this is more fun. And up until probably 11 or 12, like I was probably 12 when I got my first guitar. Okay. And drums for Christmas. Okay, so then mid-teens, you were just thinking you just wanted to that do was, music? Yeah, thing? that was my kind of end-all was, yeah, teens was just music. I had no interest in anything else except getting laid and playing music. 
So I had uh, done the music thing for a long time, but as much as I enjoyed the music thing, I used it more as a vice. And so I like I learned to you. I'm with you on that. It didn't take me long to realize that life was. I was. I, I knew as a teenager that I was going to give the music thing my best try, that I was not going to just be like, this is my hobby. At that point, I was going to be like, no, nah, I'm going to make some records. I'm going to start a band. I'm going to make an effort. I'm going to go to school for it. I'm going to do yeah. all that shit. But in the back of my head, I was like, I'm not going to waste my, I don't want to be 40 and and be like the the bar, you know, the, the guy who's doing sound <laughs> at this <laughs> dive bar downtown that's making like 14 bucks an hour just wants to hang himself. Like you got to eventually realize when this isn't going to happen. Yeah. And, that I ended up being auto for me and it could be for whatever for anybody. But yeah, I gave it my goddamn best until I was about 21, 22. I gave it, I spent 30 or 40 grand on recording and yeah. equipment. So for me getting into the, the punk rock scene, I was more or less kind of stuck to this punk kind of sound. And every song that I would write would be kind of punkish. Although the first band, there was like, Okay, I have a bunch of questions for you. Okay, about your shift. So finish right. the thing, but so, I want to ask you so much. So like, the, the first band was it, it was kind of like a mixture. It, it was more of a punky sound, but there were like there were some kind of metalish kind of alternative undertones. But in the end, it was more or less punk. And then as I got older, so you playing, had some junk, junk, junk parts, but for the rest of it, it was kind of bop, 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 bop. Okay, yeah, I know what you're saying. And and I just got used to that in like. My mom, she would, she would all, she would constantly comment like, "Don't quit your day job, don't quit your day job, don't quit." And my mom, oh, my mom was middle ground on that. She was pretty cool. She regretted that because she wasn't thinking like, "Well, maybe if I complimented his music abilities, he would grow." She, didn't, she didn't. Yeah, they don't discourage you, but they don't encourage you. Yeah, ah, we had the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and my mom regrets it because after... You don't suck, but you're fucking loud. <laughs> after I got over this, uh, this the punk band kind of phase, and I started doing all these songs of all these different genres, my mom yes, was like, shaking holy it up. shit, like, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. do this. And she was Ooh. like, you're better than half the people on the radio. You won your like, mom oh. over. That's hard to do. <laughs> yeah, but then it got to the point where it's like, well, now my mom just has to say those nice things because she's my mom. <laughs> no, my, my now I get to the point where my mom's at the bar advocating for me, being like, like yelling at people. Going, That's my boy. No, not even. She's like, you know, if he wasn't up there, you know, he organized this whole show. You know, he organized everybody <laughs> fucking here tonight. If it weren't for him, I wouldn't even fucking be a show. You know that, right? Anyway, uh, I just want you to know. <laughs> Mom, calm down. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. <laughs> I, I did organize the show. Thanks, Mom. Settle down. <laughs> it's not the, that hard. The bands that uh, I was in, it was usually me that was talking to promoters, trying to yeah, get the show. You, you were the oh, band. Yeah. You had musicians that you... From what I understand, Shop, um, Army Shot was very... You were like... It's obvious oh, it's hard. when you jam with people, <laughs> when you jam with people that aren't as good as you, they go, this guy knows what he's doing. I will play for him. And they don't like, it's not a, they don't want to say it. I, that nobody, they will, I don't play for Mark. They would never say that, but yeah. you, but they do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they do. At the end of the day, you're Mark's bass player. No, I'm not. Did you write any of the bass lines? Shut up. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Don't like, so get over did, it. Did you get any of the shows? No. Did you talk to any promoters? No. Did you talk you to any of the other bands? No. Have you gotten laid from this band? No. <laughs> Has Mark gotten laid from this band? Maybe once. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like, it's, there's, there's some bands that are like that, where yeah. it's, it's a literal, one guy. And that works. It works. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Evanescence. Let's talk about um, Matthew Good. 
Let's talk. Like, there's a million fucking examples of this kind of stuff. You know, when David Usher left, God, I'm old. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're saying David Usher, like, so many people out there are like, who? Yeah, okay. Like the Star Lord, who? <laughs> oh, my God. When certain artists leave bands, then they can do okay on their own, you know? Like Eddie Vedder did another, did all, you know. Um, Again, who? So, uh, I know who. The Soundgarden guy um, that's dead. Uh, Chris Cornell Chris did Cornell. a bunch of really good <laughs> records that were on his own. Scott Weiland, even yeah. though he was a heroin addict, still got kicked out for doing heroin, did more heroin, made a good record. <laughs> you know, it's fucking crazy. So yeah. I love that that is possible. So it is cool. It's possible. And 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 and, I, and Adam and Evil, the thing that I did was kind of like that. Like I wrote all of it and gave it to them. But then they would, I didn't write any lyrics or anything. So it was kind of me and Jen. It was kind of like more of a two-piece thing yeah. because I didn't get into the vocal part. I just laid the music down and she brought me what it made her feel. But you know, the, my bass player would come back and go, "Yo, check this out," and he would, ha and he'd be like, "I'd be like, is that the first? And he's like, "Yeah, I put that on the verse." I was like, "That's dope as fuck. I'm down. I'm gonna do a little bit more chugging so that we can hear what you're doing." Yeah. You know what I mean? So it wasn't all me. We would collaborate on parts and and talk about ideas. My drummer would very often switch things up because I would give him a basic ass prog thing, and in prog you have a lot of freedom. And I'd say, yeah. to him, "Buddy, you want to be Neil Peart? Fucking do it." So what was it like for you? Was it that same idea where you would have to, people would come back with some cool ideas and you'd jounce it up? Or was it pretty much shut your bitch mouths and play what's <laughs> on the sheet? No, no, no. I, I, I loved collaborating with people. If, if like, we've talked it, about the collabs. Yeah. So like it got to a point where if I heard somebody playing something, I was like, Oh cool. Wait, 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 let's see. Yeah. Okay. This, this, this sounds good. Okay. Yeah. This sounds awesome. And it'll be like that person be really vibing to what I've kind of come yeah. up with. And they're like, yeah, okay. This is fucking awesome. And from there, like songs can be written, but I mean, it just depends on the people that you're with, whether they can do that. And if they can't, and I am very jealous of bands like Dream Theater does this. I, at least I've I've watched them do it. They actually have footage of them writing Train of Thought. It blows my mind sometimes. Like the actual moments when they're like, why don't we do this? And it's the riff that ends up on the record. And you're like, how the fuck? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, where the guy, like five guys get in the room and there's nothing written. Zero. Ever, all they've done is they decide on a date and a time to meet and yeah. they come up with a song. Like, the, you know, whether it's the, whoever comes up with the riff or maybe the vocals start comes up. Oh, I, got, like, uh, I got this little thing. Like Blink when they kind of moved into that yeah! house to that for to the self that For self-title in neighborhoods, they've done that. They've done it for almost everything since Takeoff, I think, has been like moving to a house right from scratch. Takeoff was like they came to the studio with finished songs and then put them together. But I think after the Takeoff, Your Pants and Jacket, which was 01, it was, yeah, very similar to that. I'm jealous of that. And I think that's where it separates the men from the boys. That's where the professionals come in because when I worked with Mike Turner from OLP and bands would come in and do that, like he had the guys um, that were in Crash Karma do that one time. And it was just the bass player who wasn't there. And yeah. it was like, I had to bring underwear. Like it was insane <laughs> to watch guys that have like, they're touring old musicians that were just done with their shit. Yeah. And they're like, watch us come up with something in the next eight minutes that's four minutes long that is fucking radio worthy. Yeah. That is pretty cool. I've, I've never been able to do that. So during high school, uh, when when I started doing the first band thing and, and I was in this punk band scene, when I was, <laughs> when I was at uh, high school, I was taking this communications tech course. Yes. And so when it came That's down That's how to I learned how to record in acid. So, <laughs> so when it came to communications tech, it's like, okay, cool. Now we're messing around with digital cameras, filming, and that uh, I like clicked. I was drawn Well, because we're to children of analog. 
<laughs> so for us children of analog, when they're like, it's digital, I don't know about you, but I, I covered keyboards in semen. I, I was so excited. I was like, what are you talking about? It's zeros and ones. I don't have to sit there and slice the tape. Why is the keyboard sticky? I don't want to talk I've about it. I've been doing up. that at my house. I've been slicing tape for fucking years before yeah. I got to grade 10 and saw that tech shit. Yeah. So one of the first projects that I did in grade 11 communications tech was I, which I, was night what 1964 this was or 65 <laughs> yeah close close no and we'll but just call it uh, the, back in the day in, which was a wednesday by the way. <laughs> in the late 80s a wednesday in the late 80s so uh the, the first thing that i did was actually a, a news show and with the person that I was partnered with, we did this kind of uh, satire news and we just looked up like ridiculous stories online. And at the time, like we kind of tackled uh, like Teletubbies <laughs> uh, when it came to Tinky Winky. It's like, well, he's obviously the gay one because he has the upside down triangle. He, he had a red purse and all that stuff. And like that wasn't even a bad thing, but we were just go trying to find like just BS stories kind of online. And just Tinky Winky them. was trans before it was cool. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And I had such a fun time doing that that I wasn't I wasn't done that. I like in my mind I wanted to get back to that, even though like on the sidelines uh, away from school I was doing all this uh, the, the music stuff. Yeah, the army was an army shot at that point. Yeah, uh, the first band was Army Shot Mohawk. Right. Yes. Yes. yes okay. Yes. So time would pass and then i kind of dabble here and there and then uh and then i had a group of friends that i was like okay let's do like a very controversial very offensive skit show and uh so we actually came up with this idea it was it was going to be called schizos uh, we had ours was called random but please don't look it up i have to delete most of my stuff i was gonna I, say i would offend ooh, everybody boy yeah you want to get associated with no the, we used, ours was on ours, ours was on vhs and it was called random and we used to push people down like hills on skateboards and shit yeah but i had such a fun time making these skits like editing we talk about editing and writing like the actual process yes because so like, you're behind the, you're the guy now you're like fuck people get paid to do this this is what people do they sit so they write they I come up fun, with an idea like, i had fun being on it but not as much fun as i did kind of like doing the the writing and directing, directing. And yeah dude uh I, I hope at some point i know i know we're old and pretty much dead at this point but i i'd love to see you like direct direct like a big thing i can't wait i hope one of our bands or one some of our music gets <laughs> really really big and then you get a chance to like i'm gonna direct this cool concept fucking video for something well that's uh that Kel would be cool. that's kind of why i told you a while ago uh that i would like to kind of advertise the shot pod through some com comedy sketches just to give us a <laughs> youtube presence we got to get, okay, the YouTube's happening 100%. Yeah. Um, if we can find a way to upload whole episodes, we should do it. But we should, what those clips. I want I want another camera for that. Like, I want to have one, rather than just a wide shot the entire time, I want to be able is to switch Is it possible back. to, I know, we're, we, I know we're talking about this. This is kind of fun, though. Is it possible to literally set up our phones and have them somehow synced up to something where they're each... No, no, we really be, we, we too much go work. through all the memory on our phones Very in like quickly. a single episode. Yeah, <laughs> in a single episode, unless you had like a two hundred gigabyte phone, and you, <laughs> yeah, even then you'd be getting close. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'm planning on robbing some type of cash converters type store <laughs> in the next month or so. So when I do, I, if I get a good camera, I'll bring it, and then you bring yours, and then we'll we'll make it. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's some great stuff coming. Uh, I I teased. Uh, with you, the unsolved inquiries, which is a play on unsolved mysteries. Yes, 
So that's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> the Christmas, okay, I can't wait. At some point, this is the preview. For, I can't wait to do the Christmas episode. We'll probably put it, do it and put it out closer to Christmas. Like, I don't know. Probably, I'd like to try and make it like two weeks before so we've got, got some space and we can really promote it and well, push it. Or maybe even do there, like a... There's, there's, we could do a long one and make it two parts. Part one and fucking part two, yeah. Well, an hour one week and then an hour the next week, maybe? Release it. That'd be kind of fucking fun. Yeah. Anyway, but I'd like we got all oh, the topic. We'll talk about... Um, we're going to talk about the music, the Christmas music we love. We've hinted a little bit on that today. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about some hilarious Christmas stories. There's, we there's going to be... So, like, we've, so we, we've kind of dabbled a, a couple times. Even... Um, like the remembrance day, we kind of started talking, and I was a like, "Oh, I love the snow," and you're like, "Oh my god!" It was. A <laughs> 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 oh my god! <laughs> I love the snow <laughs> when you're laying in it, pulling the drive shaft out of a 2001 Jaguar X-Type, while a 64 year old man is standing outside, going, "Are you done yet?" <laughs> you won't love the fucking snow, Mark. Yeah. You won't. Well, love for it me. All. Well, for me, because I, I love snow so much, when my dog was alive, we would wait for a snowstorm. Like, every time a snowstorm would come, my dog would be like, yo, it's time to go for a walk. <laughs> it's time. It's time. Let's do it. I and then we go. Sled. I miss My sister, when she, um, she's 10 years younger than me, so she's too old to care now. But back in the day when she was, like, you know, 13 and I was 23, like, those were good times. We would... Um, pick her and her friends up, me and my, the ex-wife there and a couple of our friends, and we go just grab crazy carpets for four bucks. <laughs> at, 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 but we would go to like, like, like a hill that if her mother knew I took her to that hill, she'd be like, what the fuck did you take my daughter to that hill for? She's going to die. Like we could go to a golf course with a straight drop that was like <laughs> eight feet where kids were like losing their spleens, where there was parts of children on the hill, where kids had made jumps out of like snow that other kids were losing their like like the arms like, ah! the, the arms like backwards there's a bone sticking out it's just like all right there's another one get him in the ambulance get him the fuck out of here there's more kids that want to go down the hill the police are on the way we would take her to those places right but like every, so good but every every so often there's a kid who's all like i'm injured but i want to go again dude oh. <laughs> I, I wish I was that kid. I was the biggest pussy. I'll never forget one time I went to this hill down by the Donovan complex. Yeah. I'm sure you know what yeah. I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. And there was jumps. We made it. We made a jump and we went over it and I had my glasses on and it was dark. It was like 1 a.m. We were all hammered. There might have been alcohol. There might have been uppers, downers <laughs> and narcotics involved. I don't want to talk about it, but there was a we were none of us were in you a good just place. Were. <laughs> none of us were in a good place mentally. And we were doing crazy carpets and shit, and we built this ramp all fucked up, going, we can do it! <laughs> and we go down, and I went off this ramp, and I swear to God, I bruised my tailbone to the point where it still hurts to this day, number one, and number two, my glasses flew off. And I couldn't, I, I have 228 over 20 vision, so I can't see very well. So it's now 2 a.m., and we've got a Toyota Echo at the top of the hill with its high beams on to kind of put some light over the valley. And everybody's on their hands and knees with their toques off looking for Alex's glasses because <laughs> I'm a fucking loser and I don't have a backup pair in the middle of this. Oh, God. Good uh, so I'm going to give anybody who toboggans a helpful tip. If you go off to, say, Walmart and you buy, like, an inner tube and you inflate it and you and you think, like, okay, well, no, I'm going down the snow, I'm having a blast, and you just so happen to find yourself in a golf course and then you happen to see a creek and you want to cross this creek thinking, hey, I've got an inner tube. Don't. 
There's lots it's of air not, in it. It's not the same. What about it is different? So, so it's it's not the same as like like a full size like actual inner tube. So it's it's totally So it doesn't float. No. <laughs> so that's all I needed so, to hear. <laughs> I went with a, a so buddy just of mine. Right to the bottom? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. not even so, a fucking like <laughs> sinking. <laughs> we were my buddy Jeff and I, we went tobogganing at a golf course and we were going down this hill forever and it's like, hey, let's see if we can find another hill. Yeah, okay. So we come to this creek and I was like, Well, we better find a way across. And he's like, we got inner tubes. And I'm like, uh, I wouldn't do that. He's like, No, it's it's fine, it's fine. He put his tube in the creek, sat in it, sank. And then and soaked his complete lower half and back and abdomen. Dude, and at that and what you, we were talking about January, <laughs> February, yeah, minus, February, at February. least minus five six. Yeah, some yeah. hypothermia so, so waiting to happen. So he's me. freezing. I'm like, I don't care, dude. We're not ending. I told you not to do it, and you did. <laughs> so I made him toboggan anyways, and he, like a trooper, he did. He's just like, oh, I'm fucking oh, freezing. No. The I'm wind on you after that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, did this guy lose a limb? No, did no, no, no. Fucking no, no. He's like, oh, I can't wait to go home and jump in my hot tub. I'm like, well, at least you have one of those. Really? He has a hot tub? Yeah. I wish he'd lost a finger now. I wish the story ended with more pain from that rich kid. <laughs> That's a fucking awesome story. No, man, th- we had... Uh, so, one of the South End traditions that you can't do anymore because everything's, ugh, everything's ruined now was the GM Hill. Do you know what GM oh, Hill yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. Ah, I'm so glad. So anybody <laughs> who knows about Oshawa, this dirty little town we live in. Well, Mark lives in Whitby, but I live in the Schwig still. Um, we have in the south end, there's the GM plant. Now, it's not the original GM plant. The original one was downtown for anybody that wants to follow history. And they got rid of that one. And there's a fucking Costco there now because that's how we value our history in Canada. The first plant that ever produced a car on this planet. That was Canadian. Are you talking about the Peregrine plant? That they got rid of everything. They've done nothing. Yeah. They, 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 they don't care about anything. It's so sad. And then they closed the truck plant, and now they're opening it, and it's just all fucking... It's just like, how bankrupt do you want us to be before we care? Like, really, at this point. Now yeah. they're just like, oh, we got rid of everybody and gave them all packages and bankrupted the town and got a bunch of money from the government in 2008 and paid it all back. But we're hiring. If you'd like to come and apply for <laughs> $17.50 an hour... Someone's like, no, it's a twenty-three fifty an hour. Uh huh. Pay your union dues and tell me what you fucking make when you go home. Okay, <laughs> bud. All right. Like seriously. Anyways, so General Motors has we call it the, the GM Hill because it's just down by the plant, yeah. right? So it's down at like Wentworth and no, it's Philip Murray and Park. I guess was the one that we yeah. would go to. And it back in it, when we were kids, the jumps we would make and the road is right there. I literally watched two kids get run over, man. Like, I swear <laughs> to God. Like, we would, kids would just go, and, and we would try to calculate where you'd stop. And sometimes we were wrong. And when you were wrong, if it was a fucking green light, someone was going to smoke you. <laughs> yeah. And I've now, as an adult, driving south on Park Road towards Philip Murray, I wouldn't notice some kid flying at me from the right either. I really wouldn't. It's just not in your field of vision. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw some kids go under a Ford Escape one night. It was pretty fucking hilarious. <laughs> Nobody died, so it's okay. But so they yeah. escaped death. It no. makes sense. It's all Hey-o. part of the plan. <laughs> it's just like, how can you imagine now being like, there's a car coming. I think I'll hop on this toboggan. Like, when you, where's your sense of fear as a kid that we just get all of a sudden? Where does it come from? Oh yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's now it's completely gone. Like, I mean, I can't even dive into a pool without being like, where's the sign for how deep this is? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, no, nobody drinks hose water anymore, right? Oh, uh, I'm gonna be honest. I, I, 
I'm a mechanic. I eat with black hands and I still drink hose water. It's <laughs> yeah, just me. But, I mean, you're of that age, right? Try to get my immune system ready for COVID. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do if you won $10 million? It depends on how I want it. Did I get it illegally and I have to launder it? No, no, no. Oh, Woo! Yeah, no, you got this That's all what legal. I assume. So say it was like, oh, you've won thirty million dollars, and the government lot. and the government takes the twenty I would for their taxes. So you have ten left. What would, I would you do with ten million? I have million to dollars? give at least five of it away. I really would. I'd be like, just do something with this. I'd hire somebody who knows what they're doing and be like, take five million dollars and feed some fucking hungry kids or something, please. Because I hear about this all the time, and I got ten million dollars. I'm gonna be the guy. Number one, I'm a bleeding heart liberal in my basic fucking feelings. I swear to God. I'm only a right-wing conservative take-care-of-your-own person because it's hard to make a dollar. As yeah. soon as I have more dollars than you, I'm willing to share. Come eat at my table. Let's break bread. I'm cool with that. But, yeah, so immediately cut it in half and give it to people who need it more than fucking I do. That five, taking care of my moms, buying a bunch. Like, houses are expensive. Buy, like, three or four houses and four yeah. or five cars, and the money's gone. So there you go. That's it. I would just set up me and my, and my home slices with a little property and invest and make sure we all had a little house and just make sure I didn't have to bother with anybody ever again. And then I buy about half a million dollars worth of food and put it in my basement for when the world ends. Yeah. That's what okay. I would do. I might invest some of it, but honestly, I have so little faith in humanity, democracy, North America, the North American free trade <laughs> agreement and anything else related to this part of the world right now. I don't even like, I have a buddy of mine that had, he ended up getting some money from dead grandma and he took like three or four grand and he invested it in uh, hemp stocks and CBD and, yeah. and psilocybin and some other things. And like, I agree those things are going to be the future because the way we're going right now with the pharmacies and all that kind of stuff is it's just, it can't last. And then with China and how things are not going well with them, oh, yeah. like it's not going to be able to do what we're doing for long. Like, there's got to be an end game. So I think yeah. that was smart, but like I have so little faith that even that will pay. Because look at the GameStop thing. Like it's it's you know what I mean with the whole with the whole GameStop thing. Like the market can do anything. People, you get enough people if together. You get it, if you get it early enough, before like the hedge funds obviously. are all like, hey, obviously, this fucking. But it's stock. hard to predict yeah. that. It's just yeah. too hard to predict. The, the, the climate economically is so right. tedious. There's so many corrupt you with insider trading. You're like, it's uh, like what's the point? Unless right. you know and blow. Everybody on that side of it, you're never going to come out on top. <laughs> so I would, oh, sorry. I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> invest. I, I would say if you asked me this a year ago, I would probably say, yeah, I'd invest like $2 million of that in stocks and shit. But nah, fuck nah, that. Nah, Get nah. food and guns <laughs> and buy a property outside of town. You have like, you have like the Matrix locker of guns. Done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When the pizza guy comes out, uh, Uber Eats, just like... <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> I thought I thought about this tons of times. Um, something I want to do locally is I, I like every time I, I drive by a building that has like a for lease or for rent or or even like a for sale sign. I just think, man, I wish I had the money to buy that and turn it into like a studio. Oh man, just like storefront like, stuff. Just like uh, like half music, half video production. I remember the Lake Vista Plaza in the south end of Oshawa had a dentist office that took over a donut shop. and But yeah. for a year and a half, it was vacant. And I walked by 20 times and, and stared and went, you could put a studio there and you could have the reception there. You could have like a lounge for the musicians there and it would all be covered in glass and people could just see it. That'd be so cool. Like, <laughs> Yeah, dude, I've thought this a lot many, many times. 
So just because of all all my creative juices that are always flowing and just having a proper environment for, for everything. Would you have a drum room or would you just do drums in the live room? Both. <laughs> Depending on the band. Yeah, yeah, you get somebody with that old school feel, you want the room. But yeah. if you had some guys that were like, you know, really electronic or compressed, then you would just put them in the room. Because yeah. you're going to sample it all anyway. Who gives a fuck how it sounds? Okay. And I actually uh, read that uh, there is a company, I think it's in Pickering. There's actually a, a local kind of studio where you can like rent out space to, to film commercials or other production things. That wouldn't surprise me. And, and it's pretty close. Another thing that I would do that I thought about for a long time would uh, have to do with donating to father's rights advocates wherever I could just to, to, just to try to get some of the uh, struggling because it's a personal help. struggle for you yeah 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 I like I think like I've seen the hungry that's why I said hungry kids yeah. I've been a hungry kid a couple times like so I've, I guess I've seen yeah. I've seen a lot of the corrupt and when it came down to to the the process I got but dude I got stories for days of buddies of mine in that same struggle that like they haven't seen their kids in five years and they're Amazing, man. These are some but, of the best dudes but, but I know. Here's here's but, the tricky thing. You know, like, baby mama doesn't like me, so I don't get to see my kids. So yeah. But here's the tricky thing. I've seen people like I I myself would consider myself a good father. Uh and just if just, I don't say so myself. <laughs> and that the struggle that I've gone through and Is that and, your kid in the back? <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> yeah. I hate yes! you. I hate you. That means I'm doing if something you, right. If you didn't buy uh, Xbox, <laughs> I wouldn't even be here for Christmas. So I don't know who that was. <laughs> yeah. But I've also seen some people claim to be a good father. And then you see some of their actions. And you're like, whoa, that's not fucking cool at all. So like as part of this, it would be like, okay, if, if there's going to be somebody who's helping out somebody else, you'd have to have somebody kind of like, let me see your fucking parenting habits. Kind of like unexpectedly as well. If you want my help. <laughs> I've seen this so many times, dude. It's like, I'll never forget. I don't want to. So this was very recently. I had a buddy of mine. We were having a couple of drinks. And he's sitting in the car going on about how good father he is. I'm the best dad to my kids and all this shit. At which, and then within like a half an hour, he was trying to get me to hook him up with narcotic drugs and he wanted me to front him the money because he didn't have any money and he hadn't paid any of his child support in like three weeks. <laughs> I haven't paid my child support like three months. I'm way behind. So can you front me the money and we'll go get high? I was like, oh my God. So that might be one of those examples. Yeah. It's just like, fuck, man. Like, yeah. I might be a fuck up, but I didn't have any kids. So yeah. nobody's affected. Right. So, so it, it's, it's actually, uh, there, there's actually a thin line just because if one person ruins it for like everybody, I mean, Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I agree. But that's it, it, when you get older, you get a little smarter at, especially as somebody who grew up with lots of parental issues. Like you get really smart at seeing the people who care that give a fuck about their kids yeah. because they're hard on their kids. They're not always fucking nice to them. I have a girlfriend of mine who's got a seven year old who I've mentioned on this show a bunch of times before. And like, he's the coolest, smartest, quirkiest kid I know because she's, she's a single mom and she's super hard on him. Like she's like, read the room, read the room, bud. Well, no, cause you know? sometimes, and, cause sometimes there's being too good. On your kid. Like to well, the point she, where it's she, like, oh, well, this kid did that. And then it's like, 
oh, but you can't tell your kid no and to not do that. Well, no, because I'm just being, well, it, no, no, no. Ooh. You have to oh, be able. Yeah. Now, I don't have kids, so I don't get to bank yeah. in on this. You do. So I'm going to just ride on your shoulders. I'm going to Yoda. <laughs> on, I'm the Yoda to your Luke Empire style here, bud. Okay. And I'm going to jump on and piggyback with this and say, I, I, I see that a lot too. Though. Yeah. With people where it's like, I don't have kids, so I don't get to say anything, but I'm also hey, kind of like... you stop your kid from doing this? They're, they're like, oh, no, that's just how they are. We have them in a program. And I'm like, I got fucking hit in the face for that when I was a kid, and then I stopped. It was a very simple thing. It was a very, uh, don't touch that. Like, smoking my mom's cigarettes. Here's a fucking story. You want to hear a fucking story about this? Uh, I do not have children. Okay? And you will not probably condone this story. But this is how it was in the 80s, Okay? I wanted to smoke my mom's cigarettes and I was probably three or two or some shit like that. And I just would not stop. No matter where they were, I was reaching and she's like, stop it. Those are mummies. Stop it. Those are mummies. Stop it. Those are mummies. Stop it. Stop it. Stop. Eventually she just said, you know what? Fine. Here you go. You want to be like mummy? Suck on the fucking cigarette and let's, and I sucked on it. She's a suck it like a milkshake. And I did. And I threw up for two days. I have never smoked a cigarette in my life, and I've dated girls that smoked. I've been, I've, I've been around smokers she my whole life. Like cigarettes. I have never, ever, ever smoked. I've, I've never smoked. I've never had to quit. I smoke a lot of weed, but I've never smoked cigs. Yeah, that's how you raise kids. Sorry, it worked. People are like, "Wow, that bitch is crazy." You should have done that. There, there was he could have died. No, there, I didn't. I there learned was an the old lesson. Sitcom. I don't know if uh, you remember the sitcom, but the, um, there's a famous comedian named Christopher Titus. And he came out with the show Titus, and uh, it starred Stacy Keach and Christopher Titus. And like one of the one of the best moments is where he goes to stick a fork in an, in an electrical socket, and the mother's like, "No, no, no!" And Stacy Keach's like, "No, no, shh, 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 let him, let him, let him." And then, and then, and then Stacy Keach is like, "I bet you won't do that again, <laughs> will you?" I bet you won't do that again. And if you do, you're probably not fit for society. See, this is the problem. We're coddling people too much. Let them poke the outlet. <laughs> Even Jeff Foxworthy is like, let them do that. Here's your sign. You know? <laughs> Here's your sign. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I will. Oh, man. Okay, Mark. I was saying that I had a couple questions a little bit earlier. We were talking about the army shot stuff and the music. Um, yeah. So I want to throw a few of them at you because I, 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 I'm always interested in this stuff because I, I hear the way... You can't ask celebrities this. Like, I wish I could ask Kurt Cobain some of these questions, too. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, legit. So, and I feel like when you meet musicians who are, um, you know, local or, 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 or friends of yours, you're getting a piece of somebody like that. Because our brains work in a similar way. Like, the way that, you know, what Kurt went through and, and the way his life went and the music that he wrote is all reflective of him as a creative person. Yeah. And I feel like I'm not that different of a creative person. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm not as good, but I have the same brain wavelengths. Like, I'm, I think on the same levels, which is why I like Nirvana, because Nirvana's music that I would I like because I would write it. I think that's a lot, a lot of the music I enjoy. It's something that, if you really think about it, you probably would have wrote something like that if you thought hard enough about it. That's why I love Blink, because I love melody, harmony, and I like songs about girls that don't love me, um, <laughs> which is most of them. <laughs> I, 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 I know that I like Dream Theater because I love challenge. I love being pushed to the limit of what I can do physically as a musician and virtuosically. So I probably would have written something like a you know, paradigm shift or, or constant motion. Not as good, but you know, in the vein of. Yeah. So for you, the reason I want to grill you on a couple things. 
I've noticed when we've jammed, you play in a DGC FAD tuning, which is a step down from a normal tuning on a guitar for anybody yeah. that's not nerding out with me. When did you decide to do that? Like when you were like 14 or 13 and you were just jamming guitar and getting into your first bands and writing your first songs, right? Around those yeah. ages? Was it standard? I know you're a yeah. lefty, so there was a challenge getting a guitar. I'm going to get to the lefty questions. Yeah. I want to talk about the tuning first. So uh, the tuning would have been after the punk band thing. We, we did the, the After the punk band yeah, thing. Yeah, so we did the standard E thing forever. And doing the standard E, like, there are some songs in that, that punk band that pushed my range you to the limit. You probably couldn't do if you tried right now. Yeah, I definitely Too could old. not right, right now. But that pushed my range to the limit, and it's it, like it, I didn't want to blow my voice in doing that. So when I started recording, I was like, okay, I got to do it lower, uh, but I didn't just want to do drop D. So I was like, okay, I, I got to go, I got to go one whole step down. But that posed all other kinds of challenges now because if I wanted to do a cover, I was now. You'd have to transcribe the cover, right? Because, yeah. okay, so if you're in DGC FAD and you wanted to play like a Green Day song that was in standard, you would have to move everything up two frets. Or, yeah. or and capo the second fret if you wanted to make your life a little easier, right? Yeah, and I didn't have a capo for the longest time. I was like, could I get one for Christmas, Mom? And My mom's fucking, like, what the fuck is like a capo? They're like $40. I swear to God, I went yeah. to Loma Quay the other day because I was like, I haven't had a capo in a while. And they're like forty five ninety nine for the fucking cheap ones. So I wouldn't have got a fucking capo either. That's a, that's like grocery shop that's for me. That's outrageous. I can feed myself for the week on that. I'm forty five dollars if I need to, and that's one capo. It's like, yeah, yeah. So, so anyways, th so that brought in new challenges, but at the same time, I was able to go lower and then still have that range of going high, but not as high where I had to grab my balls and squeeze. Okay. Okay. So the other question I'll, though, is for, I'll jump to from that is the left-handed thing. So you're a lefty. I remember the first time I was over here and I was like, yeah, I'm going to grab a guitar. <laughs> oh, no, oh. I'm fucking not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, and um, so I saw this cool footage when I was younger of um, uh, Pink Floyd singer Roger Waters on tour without the band, right? And he had this guitar player imitating David Gilmore and he was playing all the Floyd stuff on a six-string Strat, strung right-handed, but playing it upside down with his left hand so that the thickest string was on the bottom. Yeah. And it blew my fucking mind. You said you can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that that's... Bullshit. More, <laughs> that's more complicated, whereas, like, a simple power chord uh, playing properly is just the, just essentially, like, the two fingers or even just using the three. But, but that seems easy to you. See, that doesn't seem... What you're doing right there with the wrong hand is fucking impossible. <laughs> Yeah, and playing it upside down, it's it's different positioning altogether. So it takes it it takes some mind fuckery when you're like, okay, well, if I want to play this actual chord, yeah, like then, a G, then you're I like, was watching oh, the oh. I was watching the, the David Gilmore guy or whatever, and yeah, play a, and you could tell it was a G because when I looked at it really hard like this, just like like really hard, it had a small <laughs> fucking aneurysm, a little bit of blood pouring on my ear. I was like, yep, that's a G upside down. But then like I've tried a number of times to imitate that. To imitate what he did, like make a G but upside down. Yeah. <laughs> I can't fucking do it. I don't know about you. I mean, I mean, if you start off that way, it's a lot different. Because if you start off that way, you're just trying to make it So work. after you changed and did the DGC FAD thing, you never went back after that and all your original stuff stayed that way because you were so comfortable singing that way. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Um, one other Army Shot song that I wanted to ask. What was the... 
weird journey to being able to because I like I think the way your shit sounds recorded is pretty good. I think you've got a pretty good ear for production and mixing and and what frequencies people don't want to hear and mastering things so they're not too loud. Like there's a lot more to studio work than people understand. If you're a musician and you're a good songwriter, that does not fucking mean that you can cut tracks. Okay, <laughs> it does not at all. In fact, I've seen musicians who are the greatest most talented people at writing songs that could sit, come in a room and do crazy shit. And they, but they have no fucking ear for how to cut tracks, how to record a drum kit, how to get a good snare sound, how to position a mic on an amp, how to add the trillions of plugins and frequency modulators that we use to change the way things sound. They just don't fucking get there. They're like, this sounds good. Like, and it sounds like the St. Anger snare. Oh, 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 oh. That's a bad snare. Don't use that snare sound. That was the snare sound. <laughs> That's really bad. <laughs> Somebody's heard that and like, we're going to use that. <laughs> you ever hear see the Billie Eilish thing where the, the hi-hat? Yeah. <laughs> was it you that showed me that? I don't know. I didn't the hi-hat for the Billie Eilish song, um, Bad Guy, is the crosswalk music <laughs> in Australia. The crosswalk music in Australia is like... I think it like that. Is it like that? <laughs> and if you listen to the song, that's the the hi hat. That's the, yeah. the timekeeper of the song. Is that and he sampled it. <laughs> so you know that's that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Yeah. When it comes down to uh, studio track stuff, it's just a matter of just having done it for so long. So even when it came down to, so did uh, you start with acid like I did? I'm not talking about what drugs got us into our harder <laughs> drugs when we were older. No, I'm actually, talking about the actually, acid 4.0 was the I one actually that I started, started with uh, cakewalk sonar, cakewalk sonar. I remember that came with a sound card that you could buy from Walmart yeah. for free. <laughs> I remember that. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, yep. And, uh, my brother kind of like, Oh, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. And I was like, Oh, okay. And from there it, it was just the start. Right. And okay. Any analog, sorry to cut you off, but any analog recording, uh, with you? No, not really. Oh, you lucky motherfucker. No, no and you're analog. older than me. Just a couple of years. I, no, yeah. But yeah. still like, cause I recorded on analog a lot. I remember <laughs> be, uh, fucking, I remember I told you about the recording with the left-handed drum kit. Yeah. I was recording on a four track and we were doing four track drums. So we had a kick drum mic, a snare, a hi-hat. And an overhead. Oh, wow. That's it, man. Yeah. And you fucking made it work. It's like, when you hit the tom, you got to hit them really fucking hard or we're not going to pick it up in the mix. I can boost the 45 megahertz, but even that ain't going to help you. Just learning uh, tricks of the trade as you go. So when I was in the the punk band as the drummer, like when it came down to the bass drum, it didn't have the sound that I wanted. So... When we were editing, Did I was you just learned about sampling. That's how I learned about sampling was when I didn't like what I heard. <laughs> no, no, no. At this, at this time, when we were editing, I was just like, okay, you got to turn the bass drum up. He's like, what? You got to turn the bass drum up. So eventually uh, the bass was like redlining going. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> See, that's the thing. Turning it up can redline, but that doesn't necessarily, people are like, well, why is it redlining? It's not at full volume. Well, uh, what well, you're doing well, is you're distorting the sample because you're pulling too much. It's like taking a small picture and expanding it so it's pixelated. It's yes. exactly the same. But as, as a drummer, it was harder for me to describe to uh, this this sound Moron. engineer. Uh, <laughs> Say it again. Sound Moron. engineer. <laughs> <laughs> just what I was going for in terms of sound. So that's why I was saying, okay, just turn it up, turn it up, turn it up. But what I found out afterwards was you need to put the drum mic into the drum right on the you other side that? of the skin okay. to get that dick. I, I will admit, you're not wrong, but there are ways around that. 
and I'll tell you what they are. And for any, one, for any sound in, in <laughs> for any sound nerds out there, um, that's the best way. You're 100 percent right. Even Mike Turner himself from Our Lady Peace told me that that is what you, you put it as close to the beater as you can, and you literally put it so close that with, when the, when the guy stomps on it, it's microns yeah. for the words was the word he used from the microphone. Yeah. That's how you get attack. But you got need you need a 57 for that. You can't fuck with the, if you're gonna use a 58, it's gonna it's gonna it's not gonna work. You got to do it with a 57 because it's more focused the way it picks it up. But the way you could fuck with it, and he showed me this, is put pil- to put pillows inside. You can put pillows on these angles and back the mic up so that the thump goes kind of through the pillow and it goes. It, you can pick yeah. it up that way. He showed me all kinds of cool shit to do when we were doing this like weird jazz band that wanted this like real, like, you know, we're in the basement of a church sound. And he's like, well... We're going to make it sound like that, even though we're in this little studio. Yeah. So, yeah, that's so, kind of cool stuff. So, so, this, so, what were the programs you used? I mean, it was just Cake Rock Sonar. And now, more recently, I'm using a Acoustica Mixcraft 8. Okay. So, you were basically using free software. No, no, no. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't free. No, no. So, that uh, you had to pay for. There were so many different editions of it. Producer edition, oh, home okay. edition, So you never fuck with Cubase? No. Oh, no. man. Oh, I have used Adobe Audition as well. Okay, that's a good one. That's closer to, to the kind of shit that I'm doing. Kickwalk Sonar is, is actually close to Pro Tools. It's it's like... A, yeah, it, I'm it's not, like, yeah, it's not It's like Pro off. Tools for dummies, almost. <laughs> so Cubase is kind of like PC Pro Tools. Yeah. That's and and I've always been a PC guy. I think that Apple's just a company with good marketing. I don't, you know, and it's it's overpriced. You get you know I'm not saying the shit quality products even though most of them are. But I'm saying that you know some of them are on par with Android devices or PC devices or other, you know, or or, or Sony devices or whatever, but they're charging double and their processors and their capabilities are the same and they're coming out of a lot of the same factories. Yeah. So that's my shit with Apple, that's my beef with them. They can fuck off over that. But I know that people prefer to use it in recording studios. They prefer to use Apple products because they're more reliable. Yeah. That is the thing in the past. Wake up, people. That's like a 2007 or 8 way to think. I'd say by 2010, by Windows 10, it was a done deal. Windows 10 is bulletproof when it comes to compatibility with high-tech softwares like Ste- anything Steinberg's making. Um, anything PreSonus is making, anything Boss Roland is making, Pro Tools itself, all that shit. It can, it's compatible with all of it and all the plugins you want to run as long as your processor speeds up. As long as you're not cheaping out on your hardware. That's the thing. People are like, oh, I bought this PC. It's just rigged cash, my back. You got to make sure that the numbers are on par inside the box. You can't be running 1.6 gigahertz and compare it to a 2.something gigahertz fucking Apple and say it runs like shit. It doesn't matter how much RAM you've got. That's not going to run the same. Yeah. You got to make sure that you've got your DDR3 now. You, you know, you've got DDR your 16 gig of DDR3, DDR4, yeah. whatever the fuck you're going to do. Make it worth <laughs> your while. Put the money into it. Yeah. You know, get your processors over 2 gigahertz. Don't even fucking talk to me unless you're doing quad core and two point something. Don't even start. <laughs> Don't even start talking about lag or how this is piece of shit. Get there. And anyways, so that's the kind of rant on that. So those, I, I, that's what I, I got into Cubase and that, but I got to use Pro Tools with Mike and all that. And yeah. he told me he was, a, he had an Apple sticker on his little car and shit. Like he was super <laughs> Apple, but even he would say that, you know, I'm basically just passing along the information. <laughs> he would tell me, yeah, you can make it work with anything as long as you yeah. put the money into it. So I kind of stuck with Cubase and I made all my Adam and Evil records with Cubase. Um, I recorded, so this is what we did when we did our record, which was a pretty big deal to us, right? Because we spent a lot of money, a lot of money. <laughs> um, I spent a lot of money. 
the drums we did at a studio in Hamilton, the same studio that Alanis Morissette cut a bunch of her first record before Jagged Little Pill at. Yeah. Okay, it was this like dance pop shit, if you know. It was just called Alanis. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's what um, the How I Met Your Mother character <laughs> is based off of Alanis Morissette's personality before she was big. Yeah. It's 100% based on it. It's fucking hilarious. Um, was it Robin Sparkles? The Robin Sparkles personality. So yeah. Um, so we cut the drums there and we cut the guitars there because he had a Mesa boogie cabinet that made me want to orgasm so many times. <laughs> I got to do this thing where at one point I just do a dragged open seven string like B note and it gives me feedback. And so that it fades into the next song. And he's like, get in the room and do the feedback. And I was like, all right. So I had to lay in the room beside the end. I wanted to experiment uh, with something one time. So I just downloaded um, a multi-track program on my Android phone. And then I was just using a, a headset mic for multiple tracks of, oh, of different Oh, yeah. You things. can get away. You get feedback yeah. from any cycle of, of frequency. Yeah. And it, and it sounds almost... Almost kind of like a, a box car type sound, Ooh. and it it's not. You got to show a, me. It's not a bad sound. Yeah, I it sounds unique. Me. It'd be something you could put in. People like, where'd you get that? You know what I mean? You'd be like, I'll never tell. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. I'll never forget when Mike Mike Turner, when I was working with him, he got Tommy Lee's kick drum sample from the Doctor Feelgood sessions, and he <laughs> yeah. literally got up and danced around the room. He's like, Oh fuck! It finally came in an email packet, and it was like a gig for a. Doom. Just for that. So fuck it. But it was, you know, yeah. it's a fully, it's, it's the whole, and then you just, he sampled it in and fucked with it. And he's just like, oh, he's so excited. And I was just like, oh, this is, this is cool. Um, so but there's, there's, but then you hear about the stories of like Led Zeppelin recording in a church with two fifty eights at the top and the bottom of the stairs. And yeah. they did Mo, I think Moby Dick or I don't know, some famous Zeppelin track. They were doing something and it was like two mics in a church stairwell. And it's the most iconic drum sound of all time. It's been sampled in countless rap songs and all this kind of stuff. So it really doesn't fucking matter how smart and techie you are. It can, it can also come down to just how creative and good you are at f coming up with a cool idea. I've heard people cut vocal tracks in their bathroom, in their in yeah. their shower, and you're like, wow, listen to the reverb on that track. What a cool track. What'd you use on that? He's like, yeah, it's in my shower, bro. I just mixed it well. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. that's an audio head. That's a smart person. That's a person that I'm like, ooh, I need to learn from you. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. I kind of love about outside of music and the writing, how the audio engineering and how the recording side of it works is that, yeah, there's just as much to learn, you know, about how to record and how to make things sound cool as there is to learn how to write songs and how to be a good band. Yeah. And promote yourselves and go on tour and make records and all that shit. The actual recording part is like just as encapsulating if you want to <laughs> dig into it. Like you yeah. could just do that and make more money. I mean, look at Rick Rubin. One of yeah. the richest, richest, wealthiest men on the planet made some of the greatest <laughs> albums of all time. Sits in a fucking studio and says, that sucks. Or that's good. <laughs> and that's all he does. Whenever, whenever I hear Rubin, I, f I immediately Hungry. go. Hungry. Immediate hunger? No, no. I immediately go to Ron Burgundy. Singing Afternoon Delight. And in, and in the song, by the end, he's like, I could go for a big, dirty Reuben. <laughs> I could go for a big, dirty Reuben. Good God. Okay, so we're, we're going to change up uh, the topic from music to cult followings. Now, cult, cult following is kind of referring to something in pop culture that has worldwide success, but, I mean, not necessarily worldwide success, but... More so smaller groups across a couple of countries kind of thing, kind of following this big thing. Like uh, Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny is is 
known as a cult classic because it doesn't have like worldwide success. Not everybody's like, oh, that was such an amazing movie. It has cult followers when it comes to that movie. I love that movie. I know. Uh, and my buddy Matt loves it too. I have so many of my music buddies that are into it. I need to rewatch it with like acid or mushrooms <laughs> or a lot of marijuana because I've seen it and it's just, I don't know. I have my cult. I, I'm not shitting on it by yeah. any means because, I mean, I'm a, star, I'm a massive Star Wars nerd. And I'm a massive, I mean, I've got all kinds of weird, I'm trying to think of a music movie that I really like. You know that movie, um, not the Britney Spears one, Crossroads, where Steve Vai plays the devil at the end of the movie. Oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. I fucking love that. And it's, I've rewatched it recently, this year, and it's fucking <laughs> not as good as you think it is. Yeah. It's like watching the old TMNT from 1990 and you're like, Man, I thought this was good. And it is in its own right. But if you showed a young kid today, they'd be like, what the fuck are those guys doing in rubber suits flailing around like that? Like, I, I love that kind of stuff. So I did a rewatch on Crossroads and it doesn't age well, but it's still <laughs> that last scene where Vi and that kid are ripping. And Vi's playing both parts in yeah. the recording, but the kid is, you know, acting. And doing a goddamn good job of putting his fingers where they probably should have been for those sweeps and stuff. And I'm telling you, man, so Pick a Destiny's on par with that for Corny. So. Do you know my homeboy, H.P. Lovecraft? No. I don't think I <laughs> really? do. No. So he's uh, an American writer of weird fiction, science, fantasy, and horror. He's known for creating this cosmic deity named Cthulhu. Okay. Who, who's like the equivalent of uh, Poseidon. He made C the guy that... That, that's his character? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. So he created Cthulhu as part of his uh, HP Lovecraft mythos. Like, which, I don't know, fucking ages ago. Like, a long time ago? Yes, because yes. he's in, like, Metallica's got Call of Cthulhu, that weird song. Yeah, yeah. And he's in the Rick and Morty opening. Like, yeah, it's yeah. a pretty infamous like this, this mythical is like, figure. This is, like, early 1900s. Okay, like that's guy, I didn't yeah. know that that was a creature that was in kind of like the Loch Ness Monster style, kind yeah. of mythological and not really real. He's known to have... Uh, uh, octopus tentacle chin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, evil red eyes. And he's, he's massive. So he's, he's actually a character that's, uh, in quite a few video games too. call of Cthulhu, uh, all other types of lore, but recently he appeared in a movie and this is a massive spoiler alert for, uh, the movie that I'm about to say. And I'm sorry. Uh, which it's, it's been out for a few years now. It stars K Stu, Kristen Stewart, and it's called underwater. And so, I don't think I've so seen they this. they, it's kind of like uh, I do love Kristen Stewart. Yeah, they're they're drilling, they're mining like in the bottom of uh, more or less. Uh, what's the, uh, the trench, Mariana's trench, Mariana's kind of thing? trench? Yeah, yeah. 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 Like they, they were in um, fucking that movie with the stupid robots, uh, Pacific Rim, same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so they're, they're like in the bottom and drilling, and just some unknown smaller sea creatures happening be going by and then by the end you see this massive massive guy and i'm like oh that looks like cthulhu we oh my up. god is that cthulhu i fucking look it up the director confirms i'm like that's cthulhu oh my god oh that's fucking cool <laughs> um, <laughs> i went nuts so and it's actually there's a lot of lore with that because the rick like i said the rick and morty episode um well there isn't an episode i don't think i mean if somebody if you can out nerd me on this I've seen every episode of Rick and Morty, and I'm pretty sure the opening credits scenes that they use, they pretty much have, for any season, the episodes you see in the intro credits 
show up. You you get to see it eventually. Yeah. The scene with Cthulhu, I think they've stolen a baby Cthulhu. You see um, fucking Morty's sister. Uh, Summer has baby Cthulhu, and they're in the spaceship flying away, and big, big ass motherfucking angry Cthulhu's like going behind them trying to get them. Yeah. It's like a half, maybe a second, second and a half clip, but it's never actually been in an episode. Okay, so Cthulhu was actually created in 1928. Ah, nice! I love this. By H.P. Wiki Lovecraft. my face, Wiki my face right now. <laughs> Do it. Get my Wiki all over my face. <laughs> yeah. And it was actually in uh, the the Wiki in my eye. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. And it was actually in H.P. Lovecraft's story, "The Call of Cthulhu." Ah, which is what the Metallica song is called. Yeah. Yeah, and oh, also awesome. the the video game as well, Call of Cthulhu. The Sick. video game. So my brother first showed me this on uh, the original Xbox. There was a game called Call of Cthulhu. Oh, I thought they called this OG Xbox. I thought that was what it was called. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's definitely the OG. Okay. Well, you don't so, want to call it that in front of me anymore because I, I made funny of last. <laughs> no, no, it's still OG. It's I'll, I'll ju- I, I don't even have to call it Xbox. I'll just call it OG. Us, us, us PlayStation guys just call it the PSX because we're fucking <laughs> we're cool like that. We don't need to call it OG PlayStation. We just call it the PSX. Yo, what's up? I played fucking Metal Gear Solid on PSX, bitch. Catch out packets to escape prison. What? <laughs> so this game was probably the most intense uh, action scene that I've ever played in any game. And so, like, you check into a motel, and then you go up, or, yeah, you go up to your room. Uh, it's just up a single flight of stairs. You go up to your room, and as you're getting settled in your room, you can kind of hear uh, the guy behind the desk. He's now talking to people, and all you hear is, where is he? It's like, oh, he's upstairs in this room. Here's a key. You now hear all these footsteps coming up this, these stairs, and you're like, uh, what? So you lock the door, and you push a dresser in front of it, and they're trying to break through that one door. So they end up unlocking the door and trying to push through, but the dresser's there. They're slowly, multiple guys pushing on this this door. So you start panicking. Then you're like, okay, let's run into the bathroom, and this bathroom is connected to uh, another hotel room. So then you get into the other hotel room. You close the door. You lock that door. You have to lock the front door, push a dresser in front of that one, and escape out this the window. a lot of work. Yeah. All while a group of people are trying to break Kill through. You. And, and you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And if you screw up, holy crap, you're, you're dead. They, oh, it's edge of the seat action. But do you have any other kind of cult followings that? I don't know. Um, I'm a massive V for Vendetta fan. Is that a cult following thing? Yeah, I yeah. love the V for, v Vendetta. for Vendetta. I love the comic. So for anybody who doesn't know. V- remember, remember the 5th of November? This was mine. That one's yours. Oh, okay. Um, I moved them. Oh. Um, v for Vendetta. My sister has a tattoo of it. Like I showed it to her when she was a kid. Um, the Viva La Resistance attitude and the whole 18... Now it's, there's so many things about the V for Vendetta movie that oh, I could go on all day. About <laughs> I really could. Number one, Tchaikovsky's my favorite classical composer and the 1812 Overture is his masterpiece. He wrote the Nutcracker Ballet and he wrote everything else you've ever fucking hummed in your sleep. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Fuck Mozart and Bach. Like, they were okay at best. Okay, but, but like Tchaikovsky Mozart will is, bend is... you over in a, in, and he'll do it for 25 minutes. He's a, <laughs> He was the original fucking yes, Dream Theater prog guy. Twenty The 1812 Overture, the section he plays is 19 minutes into the goddamn song. In that movie. Anyways, I won't preach any more of that. But I love that like the, the music is a, is a great choice. And Hugo Weaving, 
Let's talk about Hugo Weaving. My favorite <laughs> actor, maybe. Oh, man, I know I haven't talked about it much, but yeah, like, I love that guy so much. I mean, he was Smith. If you don't know who he is, I guess his most iconic role was probably Smith in The Matrix. Agent Smith. Lord um, Elrond. He was El- Yeah, he was really good in Lord of the Rings. And he was also in that other fucking garbage prequel shit they did there, The Hobbit 2, didn't they? <laughs> he was in that too, wasn't he? Yes, And his he character was. reprise. And he's great in it. I just yeah. didn't really care for those movies as much. I thought they took one book and dragged it into three movies unnecessarily. Oh, they did. But they could have done so- it in Schwan Movie Man. They could have made it two. Fuck, I don't know. Just like settle down though. Eight hours of my life. I'll never get back. Um, but I loved seeing him. He's great. Um, he is the voice of Megatron. Not a lot of people know this, but Hugo Weaving is the voice of Megatron in all the Transformers movies and some of the TV shows. So he, that's pretty cool. I just love him. I just, and so him being V and performing the vocals, obviously probably in a studio after the fact, but like, it kind of reminds me of the Mandalorian. Everybody gives, um, what's Din Djarin's goddamn, come on, help me. Din Djarin's the character. Yeah. Who plays him? Pedro Pascal. <laughs> yeah, that's So it. Pedro Pascal plays him, and people give him mad credit because he only shows his face twice in all the seasons, once per season, and he manages to show a lot of, you know, expressiveness. Like, I don't know. I'm not an actor, so I'm not going to pretend, but you know, he manages to, sh- to really act, even though he's got this mask on, that he can't really show emotion through. And you had that same issue. You know what I mean? The way that they were doing it. So I, I, he, I think that... That was the groundwork got laid for guys like Pedro to be able to go and do stuff like The Mandalorian because yeah. of that. Um, he also played uh, the Red Skull. But yes, he, Red but, Skull from the Avengers, and I'm pissed off. Pissed well, off they didn't give him well, a reprise role. He he played as Red Skull in uh, Captain America: The First Avenger, but he hated it. It was a bad experience for him, so he didn't come back, and they didn't force him to come back. So instead, they had an impressionist uh, in. Avengers Endgame. Endgame and Infinity. He was in both because in Infinity War, he's there and he leads. Oh shit! He leads Thanos to get the stone for killing Gamora. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers. I think it's a bit old for that. And in this, <laughs> in Endgame, he leads Scar, um, Scarjo, Black Widow to die at the hands of Jeremy Renner for him to get the Soul Stone. Well, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm. I do so his sh- name's Ross Markan. He just- and he killed it. Oh, yeah. I loved him in those. And I, oh, my God, I'll, I'll say one thing. I was just talking to Mark about this earlier because we were talking about Shang-Chi, which I haven't seen yet, but it's on my list. It just came out on Disney+. Plus. I'm going to watch it. I'm super stoked for Venom 2 as well, which I'm waiting to come out on some platform I can get it on. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, so I'm yeah. going to grab it. It's probably going to be on Disney+. Plus. Might have it. No, that's a Sony thing. It's a Sony so it might be on Netflix. You use high voice. Can we be on Netflix? I don't know. <laughs> no, but wherever it shows up on, I'm gonna check. I want. I want to check those out. But I've been waiting. I really feel like I love the Marvel universe, and I love what they did with everything from Iron Man up. But like, I felt like they've been dropping off. Well, they did. They they had their big orgasm. They had the End Game. They did it. They they. they were, I, this is a super deep nerd thing to say, but it reminds me of when the Sonic the Hedgehog comic killed Robotnik. Back in the day, it was, I, I know this sounds weird. So in the Archie Sonic comic, which came out in the 90s when I was a kid, which was really well written, and it was based on a couple of the really the good shows. Um, they kill Robotnik. They, and it's, you know what? Ugh, you're going to laugh. I'll show you. A, you won't believe me, but I want to show you a screenshot. Search Sonic the Hedgehog number 47. Okay. And it's called Endgame. I'm not lying. It's called Sonic the Hedgehog's Endgame. And it's about how they kill Robotnik. It's Sonic the Hedgehog number 47. Bring up a screenshot if you can, please. I know you won't believe me. But either way. So, and it was four issues. It was 47, 48, 49, and 50. 50 being like, yeah, hey, we're going to get rid of them. 
of uh, them figuring out, you know, he figured out where their little secret village was and he turned everybody into a robot and fucked everything right up. Yes, it says right there, end game. See, this is it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that came out in 1998 or something, <laughs> like way before yeah. before the, the, the movie. Anyways. And it's Hawkeye saying goodbye to Yeah, yeah. I, I, am I right? <laughs> yeah. Do you fucking see what I see? Yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, good writing is good writing. And Mike Gallagher and Ken Penders wrote those those fucking arcs. In It's one of the greatest arcs ever. He gets framed for killing Princess Sally. They think Sonic kills her. And they put him in jail. And then Robotnik goes in and just like takes over because Sonic's out of the way. He's in jail. They're like, oh, Sonic, you were our closest friend. You killed a princess, you motherfucker. And they ship him out. <laughs> and then Buddy shows up and just takes over. And it was so well done. So but after they kill him, it's like, where do you go from here, guys? Like, you got, yeah. your, you got rid of your villain. Yeah. Sonic's like wearing a medal. <laughs> He's getting laid. He's thinking about having kids. This is your cult following. Sonic, this is your. Oh, this is another one. Yeah. Okay, I guess I should have said Sonic first. <laughs> Sonic and Mega Man are definitely yeah, two because the yeah. Mega Man show and the lore around the, the shows and Mega Man X and all that and the comics. I'm not big on all that, but yeah, Sonic's my biggest one. Yeah. I, I said in an earlier show, what did you say something about, I thought you thought Mario was the best or something. And <laughs> yeah. I just, I lost what? it. <laughs> no, Mar Sonic is, um, Sonic was, oh man, there's, okay, so this is why Sonic is important to me. I've probably said this before. The Japanese in the 19, late 80s were like, what can we do to fuck up Mario? How can we fight this guy? How can we get the Americans to like us better? We're Japanese. We're not American. What are we going to do? How are we going to make this work? So they just went down to like our basic shit. What do we like? We like furry, cute little things. <laughs> what don't we like? We don't like angry, fat Russians who enjoy communism. Literally, like it was the Cold War. Russia was bad. Communism was not cool. That's what we were all about in the late 80s. So they came up with this little guy. Project Needle Mouse was the name of the was the name of it, and he was originally this little brown dude with looked like a real hedgehog, and then they handed it over to the art department and they made him cute. And then Yuji Naka wrote an algorithm that made the Sonic cartridge move quicker than any of the other cartridges because it had a second processor chip in the cartridge that wasn't part of the Genesis itself. So it allowed you to go as fat like super fast. They called it blast processing. It's just a fancy name. So there was a lot of technology. There was the art department. There was all this stuff. And they said, we're going to put this little hedgehog who's defending these little creatures in the woods and is defending, you know, freedom and love and happiness. And we're going to put this other guy in a dirty city where everybody does what they're told and everyone gets turned into a slave. And it, you know what I mean? And you don't get a choice. And it was such a cool, like Mario was just love. He took the princess <laughs> and I need that pussy. Like there was no fucking depth to it. It was very basic bitch shit. And I understand it was the eighties and video games were new and it didn't need to be complicated, but Sonic had depth right from the start. It was about environmentalism versus industrialism. That was the fucking core of the game. By the beginning of the game, you're saving your friends from these pretty green hills. And by the end of the game, you were in the city, you were in the dirt and these buzzsaws were trying to get you and all on this grime and this slime was trying to get you and you're like man this looks like Oshawa like when you're a fucking kid you're like that looks like the GM player I'm in the GM player right now liberating my fucking people you know what I mean yeah. it was it was it was really cool to to get that experience and that's why I'm so I love Sonic and it's, and it's it's got such a cult following because they took those kinds of ideas and put them in the comics and they put them in some of the games and let's be honest that movie it's the highest grossing video game movie of all time I think it might be safe to say that Sonic isn't a cult following anymore because Sonic 2 is going to be coming out. Idris Alba's Knuckles. It's yeah. a, it made $40, 50000000 million more than budget. Like, it's kind it's, of blown up. It's still, it's still a cult but following. But it is still a cult. Yeah. You're right. But yeah. I love it. I, that, and that's why. Because it's, the first game had those, those basic ideals, and then it just evolved into... You know, then they bring Knuckles into it, you know? And they start, you know, you're like, 
This reminds me of when my buddy in school talked shit behind my back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it yeah. was always relatable. They always did cool shit. And I loved that. And then the comics, you know, they got into, I don't know, I kind of grew up with them. I was a kid when they were kiddish. And then as, as you know, the same way you, you grew up with, um, oh, I'm trying to think of some of the, like, other, fran- like, Halo was a franchise people grew up with. Like, they started. Uh, with that being said, yeah. I just, I just want to make it known that uh, Microsoft just released just Halo multiplayer free to play for everybody free for everybody Everybody. how do you spell that free (laughs) f-r-e-e free okay zero dot zero zero dot zero zero (laughs) they owe you (laughs) no that's really cool i was when i saw that i mean i played halo a little bit when i was younger and i was like hold i was like dude that's pretty cool yeah i'll give xbox that man like i'm a playstation guy we all know this and like we don't get fuck all. Sonic Colors is still sixty fucking dollars, bro. I was like, God, I wish this girl, this girl that I'm hanging out with, it's her birthday this month, and I was like, I wish it was my birthday because I really want this game. <laughs> She's like, I'll make you deal. You get me the shit I want, and maybe, maybe because I have a Best Buy discount, I'll hook you up, right? So we'll see how things go. So but, for for me, uh, when it comes down to cult followings. Favorite slasher film, Jason Voorhees. So I'm Ooh, a big cult followings big, on horror. I'm a big Jason guy, but ultimately my favorite, favorite of all time uh, cult following for horror would be Evil Dead. Of course, like all you fucking nerds. <laughs> That's so predictable. Every girl I've ever dated that was into horror was like, Evil Dead for fucking life. <laughs> well, like I'm the- not calling you a fangirl. I'm just saying it's kind of like Star Wars. People are always like, what's your favorite Star Wars? And every asshole Star Wars motherfucker goes, Revenge of the Sith. Well, it was, uh, the first Evil Dead was made in 1981 and the budget was $375,000. So they had to make Don't what make they had. Don't make me the Star Wars budgets and how much more it made. <laughs> no, but yo, I understand. It's, they did so much with so little. And it let, it invented a genre. Like, I talk about Alien inventing that scene in the ducks where she's like, left, and then right, and then forward, and then, ah, there it is. Like, that was never done before. Like, yeah. it was so scary. And so it kind of, even though it might look lame today, it, at the time, scared the shit out of people. It was groundbreaking. And the Evil Dead was the same way. Yeah. It, it, it paved new, new ground for, for that type of horror film. On a budget, what would that budget be today? If you took the ones you say three seventy five, yeah. So what would that be in like twenty twenty one money? Probably, I'd say a million dollars. Yeah, I, yeah I, I'm just guessing. Dollars. I'm literally pulling this out of my ass, but I would guess a million dollars. So, well, here's here's another thing. Uh, the Necronomicon was also created. John from, Pertucci did music for that. Okay, but the 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 Necronomicon was also created from author H.P. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. So. The first Evil Dead being about the Necronomicon, and that's kind of what what made it. It's so like a whole its own universe. Yeah, and that's what made it. it. It wasn't the standard ghost. It wasn't the standard slashers. Like, oh my god, we have this unseen force because this guy essentially just opened up uh, a portal to hell. Yes. So the intention behind Evil Dead was to uh, the first Evil Dead was to make the scariest movie they could with the budget that they had. Yeah, uh, and. I mean, the cheese factor of modern day compared to that time aside, if you put that aside, it was pretty frightening for what it was. The sequel, however, when they remade the sequel, Sam Raimi decided to go another direction and was like, okay, Evil Dead 2 is just a remake of Evil Dead 1, but as a horror comedy. Right. And then Army of Darkness followed suit. 
and that is one of the greatest horror comedies of all time. It uh, made Bruce Campbell a legend in this alone. However, when the remake came out, Sam Raimi again wanted to make the scariest movie that they could make. So, well, the budget was bigger. The budget was much bigger. Much or not, was it much? I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was tens it of was, millions. What was the budget? I'm not, I'm just curious. It would, it would they, you can do. I always feel like sometimes they're going to be like, well, if you did that with 400 grand, it'll give you three million. And they'll be like three million. That's still not that much. Seventeen million. So that's a significant amount, but it's also not huge. I mean, big budget films are 40, 50. So, but so they gave him a, they threw him a good bone. Yeah. And so it was made by Fede Alvarez, and I guess Sam Raimi just enjoyed Fede Alvarez's vision for uh, the Evil Dead remake, and Jane Levy played an amazing lead. Dude, so good. I love that. But for me, what actually captured me in the remake is the way they brought in the gore. So at the time... it set records for being uh, for having the most blood used in a film, yeah. which was later broken by It Chapter 2. Okay. But the gore alone, like, it showed it in the Red Band trailer. It showed Jane Levy as a demon licking an X-Acto knife, splitting her tongue. And just, you just picture that, and you're like, oh, oh. Okay, don't describe oh. that again. What? Why? <laughs> and that is frightening in itself. And then later on, when you see a nail gun and the nails going through somebody's forearm, just chuk, 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 chuk. And you're like, uh, I oh do my that. God. I can think of a few people that <laughs> fuck with that with. Give me for a second. Let me just. Ah! <laughs> Where's my money, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, yeah. I I am Evil Dead for me. Like I I don't really get too scared with movies, but like I I, I laugh my ass off. Did in the show. I really Ash versus the Evil Dead. I love the show. Amazing. I love three it all. seasons. And I haven't seen all three seasons, but I saw the first two. I think and I oh. all great. Evil Dead Rising just finished filming, and I am excited. I bet you are. I can. Oh Jesus, he is, guys. Yep. <laughs> I gotta say, there is a little bit of a tent. Um, I'll give you. I was it's gonna, the pleat of the pants. I swear. The other thing I was gonna, I was one of the Resident Evil show that's coming to Netflix. Is this a thing? Uh, yeah. How is, is that, you think, any faith, any hope? No? Not looking, you don't seem to. No. So, the show that's coming out, great actors, but I feel it's it's wrong, they're not, wrongly they're, cast. There is a movie coming out uh, as well. Uh, yeah, but it's like a reboot movie. It's a reboot movie, but Capcom helped make the movie. Ooh. And, okay. And and now, I actually agree with the Oh, my the, God. Uh, I hope they take choices. some of this money and Capcom uses it to fund a studio to make a fucking Mega Man movie, for Christ's <laughs> sake. Put someone in a blue suit that shoots people. He's a fighting robot. Mega Man. Okay, I'm done. Mega Man. Such a good song. Anyways, like, really, <laughs> Capcom, let's go, please. Anyways, I hope they use the money from the, that. that Because, uh, I mean, Capcom makes some of the best games ever. Make, make a Street Fighter movie. Like, fuck, people will go see this shit. We had a Street Fighter movie. Uh, a make a... F don't talk about that movie. We had, a, we had another Street Fighter movie afterwards. That didn't go so well. You're right. It's like <laughs> asking for Dragon Ball movies. We've tried. <laughs> We've tried. Some the fan shit. films are better, always. Some, some of the shit just ain't worth it. The fan films are always better, and they have a much lower budget. <laughs> so I got to ask you a quick... Do you Christmas shop? 
like right in the last day or do you Christmas shop? Uh, now, now, because right now it's like gotta, mid November. I, I mean, I need to try to Chris, Christmas shop. I need to. Set but you haven't started. I haven't yet. I figured as much. Neither have I. Yeah. I have my issue is birthdays. My mom's birthday is on the twenty first. I've got other friends of mine with birthdays on the thirtieth, and my sister's birthday is December first. It's like by the time Christmas comes, I'm fucking done. Now, being that I'm such a big fan of christmas With snow too. the settings the scenery and when i say scenery i mean like christmas decor go check out the christmas lights up at with the yeah. kiddos yeah push your kids do you, down a sled but but not necessarily uh actually going out do you have Give little jimmy any sentimental memories that you can think of off the top of the, off the top of your head where you're just kind of like yeah all right yeah about christmas yeah thousands like I told you, me and the wife, we lived in Pickering, and we had these people that lived not far from us in the south end, and it was like three or four houses, and they would coat their houses in lights. Yeah. Like, the you know, the people that spend like a shitload, and they would have donate boxes. So the people would be lined up up Liverpool, across Bailey, like for miles to go, like, and they slowly come in, look at the lights, and everyone's moving real slow, right? Yeah. We lived a block away. So uh, it was a Christmas Eve tradition. Me me and her, when we lived out there, we would get, have a couple drinks and we'd put it in a bottle, you know, because we don't have your liquor <laughs> out in the open. Yeah. And we'd walk over and we'd sit on the curb, and just drink and watch the people go by and check out the lights. That was really cool. Um, my mom always cooks one freaking hell of a meal. You, your mom, you got a mom or, or the wife or somebody who cooks a, a meal on Christmas, like, oh, the food that- at Christmas is always good. That was more of a an older tradition that I don't really have too much anymore. Um, brother's girlfriend cooked uh, a meal that my family kind of flocked to his place, and we we did our Christmas dinner there. I have a memory with a mutual friend. Um, there was actually a, a blackout that happened. Two thousand eight. No, 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 not that far back. Uh, I want to say it was 2009, 2010. Oh, the one that happened near Christmas? Yeah. It was just during like the week of Christmas? Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And it, uh, I was living at eight eight thirty five with Blake. Oh my God. That's so funny. And I, I was in with the wife in Pickering and I remember we stayed at her parents because they had heat because he, yeah. he had a Jenny. And the building we abandoned our house. We're like, eight, get the fuck out of here. Eight thirty-five had it has a generator out, mm-hmm. out back of their building. So, they so just like, fired her up. So we we looked out the window, and our building was still lit up, Christmas lights and all that stuff. But eight eighty-five, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't so lit up. Sorry, eight eighty-five Oxford. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but like Blake and I, we were actually playing the first Borderlands kind of online. And uh, <laughs> not like, you like, like he was in his room, I was uh, in the living room, and uh, we're via Xbox Live, we're kind of playing. Dude, that's cool. and uh, and then like we noticed uh, the lights kind of went off, and then it came back on quickly for us because we had the generator. Yeah, and I was like, holy shit! Pause the game, and and I'm I uh, I'm looking out the window, and I was like, what? Black as far as the eye can see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, w- with the exception of the snow and the lights from our building, which kind of projected True. outward. And I, re- I remember seeing, like, uh, we lived in, when we were, like, we couldn't see anything. Like, that's tr- Like it was, you couldn't see the end of the driveway. It yeah. was so dark, because we're down by the lake. Lots of trees. It was fucking nuts, man. Yeah. Driving was a nightmare. Because all the <laughs> lights were out. Like, you couldn't get anywhere. Everybody yeah. was just gridlocked. That was a crazy time. Yeah. Um, 
We've had a couple Christmas blackouts because uh, when I was younger, we didn't pay our hydro bills on time. <laughs> so, um, That's a very Charlie Brown Christmas right there. <laughs> well, uh, another cool crew. Oh, man, I've had some good ones. I've Okay, let, I've gotten some really gifts that blew my mind. I got my one time this girl that I was dating got me Dream Theater's first record on vinyl yeah. from 1989 with without the, the original singer. And I was like, <sighs> I still have it. It's sitting in my house right now. It's one of my, that was like really cool uh, traditions. So Tradition. as I as I got older, uh, the struggle was real. And it got to the point where like my mom wished that she could have got me stuff, but she didn't always. Like one time, <laughs> this was kind of chance. So my mom went out and she like over to Shoppers Drug Mart. She got like a, like the $10 package of lottery tickets that you can get that uh, like the scratch tickets that yep. come with like bingo and a couple like $1 tickets and all that. And on this package, it said guaranteed winner. I got it, scratched all the tickets, not a single not a fucking sick. winner. It's like, That's oh. chance. That's literally their <laughs> chance. They're like, there's no way if you fit this many in there that one of them doesn't give you at least a buck. And, and you found it. You, <laughs> yeah. fa- you fucking got the algorithm for nothing. That's, that's that, the level of luck we're at. Merry Christmas, man. Merry Christmas, you peasant piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Now go pay your hydro bill. Fuck. Oh, man, that's... Oh, I'm sorry, Mark. There was, there I feel was, you, uh, bro. I feel you. There was another year uh, my mom wished that she could have got me more, but instead all she could afford for me was... She ended up getting me this this kind of welcome mat for my apartment. And it, like, it wasn't like a good welcome mat... My mom knows, like, she laughs every time because I called it, like, she got me a rug of death for, yeah. like, because it, like, it had no grip to yeah. the floor. So anybody that would come in and be like, hey, and it was slip, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they just opened the door, come in, and they were down. Was, <laughs> like, <laughs> instantly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, <laughs> that's reminding me of this. <laughs> oh, man. There's this thing online of this lady that does this, this daytime, like, cooking show or something i don't know she's some daytime personality and she goes you had two shots of vodka <laughs> i don't know if you've seen this and it shows her adding way more than two shots of vodka oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> clunk 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 but my favorite version of it is where they cut to jim Leahy <laughs> yeah, slam- yeah. slamming into the fucking <laughs> oh man <laughs> you know we're gonna get a decent drink around here right <laughs> now. <laughs> so whenever somebody's talking about boom slam instant that's all i think it was <laughs> Two shots of vodka. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, man! I can't wait for Christmas so that I can get my two shots of vodka on. Honestly, Christmas. I was hanging out the other day. I had a day off. Okay, and you like, had a day off. I had a day off because my apprentice just disappeared, and he had our work truck with all the tools. <laughs> but either way, so he was he, his aunt's uh, uh, tree had fallen on his aunt's house, so he went to go help her chainsaw down. But yeah. like he was in an area with no service, so I'm just sitting around like, what the fuck. So I just took the day off and uh, I was hanging out um, and I had a bunch of booze sitting around the house still. So you kind of wake up and you're like, we got some wine in the fridge and we got this and we got that and we got whatever. So you just kind of like keep a buzz on for the whole day. And that's what Christmas is like for me usually. Like usually Christmas day itself is like, get out. Let's just have a buzz all day. Yeah. Smoke weed and have a nice solid Bailey's or like whatever, like something nice and Christmassy kind of buzz. I like that. Christmas is a time of the year where it's actually kind of embraced to have a couple drinks and relax and try not to take life too serious. The rest of the year is just like, I don't know, you know, you're supposed to do everything in moderation. You know what I mean? At Christmas, it's kind of like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> Let's have a drink. You know, and I love that. And Christmas parties for business. Like, I mean, I run my own business now, but I remember going to Christmas parties for BMW. Oh, fuck. I remember going to Christmas, for, uh, Christmas parties for um, 
uh, Chevrolet, like the big uh, Corvette Chevy dealer. <sighs> I took my girl and I got her a fancy dinner that night, you know, and it's all free. And they get yeah. like people to dance and shit and there's prizes. I want a fucking iPod one year. It was like $400 just for showing up and eating potatoes. It was amazing. So I, I do miss the Christmas parties when I worked for people. Um, so maybe this year I'll throw my own supersonic auto Christmas party. <laughs> there you go. Why not? And and have yourself two shots of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> it's the supersonic auto Christmas party. Can I get two shots of vodka? <laughs> you know where I can find it. Before we get carried away with uh, more Christmas. Christmas there, is coming. That, it's that coming. coming. There will be more episodes coming. And with that said... I just want to say the next episode is actually going to be a split between the office and star Wars and the star oh Wars my God. being, are you letting it happen? And the office being <laughs> my niche is happening. Okay. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to just quickly tell you how I'm well prepared. I am for this because um, the girl, <laughs> already know that. <laughs> the per- I've been hanging out with some friends of mine and, 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 and we're all into the office and it's been playing. So I go to this bar that's right by my house now pretty yeah. regularly. This girl I'm hanging out with is working at. And I'm telling you, I watch The Office on fucking nonstop. Like even, I've, I've gone through it three times in the last month, I bet. Just because it's constantly <laughs> on. So I am getting, I feel like I'm getting to not your level. Okay. <laughs> like let's say you're a level 62 Charizard. <laughs> I am like a level 38 Charmeleon right now. I'm get I'm getting I'm catching right. up. You're like, oh right. shit. He's yeah. got skills. He's got ways to go. <laughs> so I'm enjoy I am I'm learning and I can't wait to try and throw some of my nerdy knowledge at you. But yeah, we got so much to talk about with the Star Wars end of things. So much to talk about with casting, controversy, Gina Carano, perhaps back in the fold. We're gonna talk about all oh, that shit. Yeah. We'll see what's up. I'm so excited to kill it. But I love the office too. And with that said, everybody. Close out our eleventh episode. 11th episode down. Oh, this I want to thank everybody for tuning in. We are at so many downloads. Thanks for the downloads, guys. iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcasts. Audible, all the stuff. Radio Amazon Public. Music, all the. I think I said that one already. Yeah. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> thank you. Peace be with you.